My name is Jenny. My name is Ted. My name is Gray. And, and this, this is Anamorphology. The Invasion. The Visitor. The Encounter. The Message. The Predator. The Capture. The Stranger. The and The Secret. The Android. The Forgotten. The Reaction. The Chain. The Unknown. The Escape. The warning, The Decision. The Slow Departure. The Sad Discovery. The Proposed Threat. The Mutation. The Separation. The Deception. The Suspicious Existence. The Unexpected Sacrifice. The Diversion. And the Beginning. And my name is Lauren. Hurrah! Yeah. Again! <laughs> Another returning guest host. Welcome back, Lauren. Flawlessly hey. executed. We had you it's just, true. you know, half it's a dozen weeks ago. Yes. But it, it has was, not been long. It was crucial that you come back for this one because you were so excited about Rachel and Tobias. It's, it's important. <laughs> I care deeply about them. So since coming on episode 27, I hear that you've read more of the books. I have. I have been keeping pace with the podcast. Nice. And I also went back and I've started to read all of the Jake, Cassie, Marco, and Axe books that I skipped over the first time <laughs> when I only read Rachel and Tobias' books. Um, you know, I like your priorities. That's I've good. only gotten up to eight, but yeah. I'm still trying to, to get through them all. What's it like reading the first few books? It's a little weird. Like, I knew the plot of all of them because I've been listening to the podcast, but I forgot a lot of the early mm, ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It doesn't and feel different reading it than just listening to the plot It does. Yeah. Yes. I feel like I know the characters much better. Mm. And then it's fun to remember things that you guys talked about. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, they discussed that here. <laughs> <laughs> Often at length. Not yeah. too middle grady. We're not making the books sound better than they are. No. You know, I haven't loved the Marco books. <laughs> He's not my favorite narrator. Yeah. Although, you know, 30 was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's hard sometimes to go from the 20s and 30s back to the beginning. Interesting. And be like, oh. It's a little simpler. Oh, you children. Uh, <laughs> oh, There's no. so much, so much for you to learn. It's kind of impressive the way this series has, like, allowed them to change and has kind of upped the emotional complexity. Yeah. I did sort of miss out on the Tobias becomes a bird shocker, <laughs> but you know. Yeah, I mean, I did too. I didn't read them in order yeah. the first time. It Gray, was very Gray shocking. was shocked. <laughs> I was. I really was. Well, because as we discussed at the time, it's a completely bizarre thing to happen at the end of the first book. Like, it yeah. just blew my mind. You know what else is a bizarre thing to happen in a middle grade series? Everything um, that happens in this book. So much torture, <laughs> you guys. Yes. It was intense. Yeah. What did people think of it? It's such a hard book and it was so good. Like, all you know? the ra- mostly because the Rachel and Tobias stuff was so wonderful. I can't get over it. I love it so much. And then there was all the stuff in the middle, which was different. <laughs> I have a controversial opinion. Yeah. I was underwhelmed by <gasps> the Rachel and Tobias stuff. Oh, no. I wanted oh. more. <laughs> Is that because we told you that, like, after book 30, they just, like, snuggle the entire rest of the series? Well, there was that. But then also, when we were talking about this, Jenny said, I really want this for you. I want you to be on the podcast. So I really built it up in my mind. Oh, no. I'm so sorry. Ted told me there was another dance. And so Uh Uh it's, it's my fault. It's, I, I feel like it's our fault. We we gave no, you no, false no. We'll, expectations. We're going to fix it. Don't worry. We'll get we'll get into it when we talk about the dance. <laughs> okay. So I was really afraid, like approaching this book because this was one of my favorites, and I was like, I don't I don't know if it's going to live up to it. Like it's so different reading these books as an adult than as like a fourteen year old, I guess at this point. 
And there were definitely things that I read a little bit differently now, but it did not disappoint me. I really loved it. It was just, I liked the intensity of the middle and I was very hard eyes at the end. I also, especially going back through my notes today, realized that there was a lot of excellent Tobias Alfangor acts yeah. stuff that I really appreciated. Uh-huh. Um, so it's like not just Rachel, but also this idea that he's starting to feel like he belongs somewhere mm-hmm. and that that history, like he's entitled to that. Yeah. I really enjoy that. How about you, Ted? I think my reaction was pretty similar to yours, Jenny. Mm-hmm. I was a little nervous reading it. I ended up loving it. I think that it, I don't know, like my takeaway from this reread is now the way that the uh, the authors use insanity as a shorthand for various yeah. things mm. is really terrible. Um, I love a lot. I have of, a lot of questions about that. In my I notes. love a lot of things about Taylor, but the character doesn't really work for the the same reason mm. that I didn't like Book Seventeen. So mm. it's kind of disappointing in that way. But I love everything else about it. I, I guess maybe it's more with nostalgia. I mm-hmm. love this book. Love this book so much. And then yeah. like trying to think about it as how I would say like, oh, if I'm reading about a character like Taylor today, I might be like more rolling my eyes. Well, I think they they copped out a little and that they started to give her this layered backstory. And then at some point, Tobias was like, but she's insane. You're insane. And there's like, it stops there. We We should tell people what happened. Yeah. Would you guys like to hear what happens in this book? (sighs) Would love to. So this starts off at a school dance. It's a Tobias book, and so he is there trying to dance with Rachel, but everything is very awkward because it is a school dance. Poor Tobias. And then he um, has to get away for some reason. Is this important? Out of he runs out of Norfolk. Oh, oh, it's yeah. important. That's so dumb. Um, I forgot about that. For, this is what happens when I like read most of it yesterday and then have a busy day at work. <laughs> okay, so then um, he... Rachel wants to dance with him, and he doesn't want to because he's almost out of morphing time. And so he has to get away, but there are all these people around. He bumps into a teacher that he used to know. He ends up morphing, like, in the school to try and get out in time to morph back. He almost doesn't morph back in time, and then he he does, and yay. Okay. Uh, and then it turns out that... Then the next day, they're all hanging out at the barn, and it turns out that the anti-morphing ray is still a thing, and they have to find it and destroy it, obviously, because otherwise it's going to go very poorly for them. So they come up with this plan that Tobias is going to acquire Axe. He and Rachel are going to go into this new York community center that they've built. They're going to find where the anti-morphing ray is. Tobias is going to get caught. Rachel is going to fly away and tell the others where he is and where the ray is so that they can come and rescue him. This plan goes very poorly in that when they get into this sort of underground lair, both Rachel and Tobias are stunned. And Tobias is captured. He doesn't know what happened to Rachel. And when he wakes up, he's in this box, this like cube suspended from the ceiling and he is being talked to by a girl named Taylor who looks like Rachel and who has been infested by a sub-Visser of the Yurk Empire. While he's in the cube, Visser 3 shows up. He pulls out these two scientists. He says, use the antimorphing ray. They try the antimorphing ray. Obviously nothing happens because Tobias is not lit. And so uh, Visser 3 kills the two scientists by feeding them to a bunch of taxons who are living underneath this 
facility for some reason? <laughs> question. <laughs> Is that not a natural place to keep taxes? Like, I didn't question it, but that's a good point. I didn't question point. it at all. It's such a good point. <laughs> this is where Mr. 3's time and money are going. <laughs> are there taxes in these walls? Get taxes in these walls. Just the floor. We need a way to feed people to the taxons, so let's create a pit filled with taxons and then just throw people into it. Maybe it's like a moving taxon pit that they put underneath the room of like any where anything important is happening, and they make sure they have trap doors in all of their rooms. I like the way that you think. Yeah. Mr. Three definitely created a facility with trap doors in every room. Oh, yeah. That's just a but thing later he brings in other taxons. He doesn't even use the pit. Yeah, it's very it's true. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm here to point these things out for you. <laughs> He's got to make sure they all just so glad you are. It's true. He owed favors to those other taxons. Oh, no. <laughs> so he feeds the scientists the taxons, and then he tells Taylor, basically, break him. And then the subvisor infesting this girl can take over the Andalite body and they can find the other Andalite bandits. So Taylor has Tobias in this box and somehow this box is wired to his brain. I'm very confused by this. I'm sure we'll talk about it. And so uh, she is able by pushing buttons to stimulate either the pain or pleasure centers in Tobias's brain. And so she tortures him for a large chunk of the book. In particular, when he is in pain, she tortures him so that he has these flashbacks to his earlier life. So we actually learn more about Tobias's growing up years. And he is tortured up to nearly the point of death, whereupon he has this vision of Elfangor and gets some of Elfangor's memories somehow of Elfangor's life. And he doesn't know what's happening. He's about to die. And as he is drifting off into, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel, um, the other Animorphs show up and they beat up Taylor and Visser Three and all of their henchmen. And Taylor takes Tobias and brings him, she's going to bring him to the Yerk Pool and try to infest him as he's desperately trying to morph into an Andalite. Rachel catches up with them and very nearly kills Taylor, but Tobias stops her. And there's a lot of parallels between Taylor and Rachel, and we will talk about them. And so he stops her so that she can be Rachel and not Taylor. And then at the end, they're all on the beach celebrating, and Rachel uh, you know, shows up, and Tobias runs across the beach into her <laughs> arms, and they make out, and it's adorable. <laughs> the end. The end. That was great. That Thank was a great summary. Thank you for your summary. help, everybody. I no problem. <laughs> Thank Good you time. for questioning the taxon pit. That was, that was really great. <laughs> taxon pit. You don't understand. Oh, my Where do we even begin? Oh, there's so much, you guys. This is really good. This is a new ghostwriter, I want to oh, point yeah. out. Mm. You um, said this was the most prolific ghostwriter. Yes, she comes back a lot. Oh, okay. Uh, it was okay. different. The writing was different. Yeah. yeah. What did you notice about it? Maybe it was just the focus on, like, Tobias's inner life mm-hmm. but also some of the some of the passages were like evocative in a way that mm. i didn't really mm. recall seeing before yeah it also it reminds me a lot like 30 was kind of a solo marco book and 31 mm. was kind of a solo jake yeah. book. this is very much a solo tobias book like he's always the most in his head <laughs> 32 character. was a duo rachel book <laughs> yeah exactly but yeah tobias is always the most in his head but here yeah. there are like four or five chapters in a row that are him being tortured and just his memories and stuff mm-hmm. This is not exactly about the bird thing. Like, we've talked about how Tobias has, like, one thing. And it's not that it's not a part of things here, but it was not the primary thing for him, which I kind of liked. Yeah, say more about that. So the primary thing for him seemed to be more this 
feeling of like abandonment, like worthlessness that he got from his childhood and growing out of that as part of the Animorphs, like with Rachel in particular. And the bird thing, like the question of his identity was definitely part of it. And that's sort of the beat that the book ends on. And I really liked that. But um, his flashbacks, all of this stuff wasn't really about the bird thing, also wasn't really about the war Mm -hmm. in a way that I found really intriguing. There is some war stuff. There's a little, there's like one time he attacks a Horkbajir. But other than that, he has all these visions of like pain and torture. And it's like stories that Cassie told him about animals being tortured. Mm. He does see Elfangar's first kill. That's true. Although it wasn't actually his first kill, <laughs> which was an interesting continuity error. But yes, yes, you're Having right. Having not read the Endlight Chronicles, you didn't I know. didn't know. <laughs> well, I remember. feel like it was almost there. What was almost there? The Elfangor thing. It is a mistake, but... Yeah, it was close enough. It was the same like day, probably. Right. He kills the Taxon with a Dracon beam and the Endlight Chronicles before he... Doesn't he kill kill Horkbajir up in space first? Does he also kill a taxon? He shoots a bunch of taxons and then he tail fights a bunch of Horkbajir. Okay. So not exactly right. But like Lauren should have been there. I was really (laughs) sad that Lauren didn't show up. Anyway, Mm. so I liked that it, I felt like it was a different, it was almost like asking the question what if Tobias would have had these issues even if he'd stayed a boy? Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Because I feel like the way that he, talks about not feeling at home in his human body is like that kind of unanswered question of why was he so, so, so into morphing and being a bird back in the first book when he got stuck? Did he subconsciously make a choice to leave his old life behind and like has his whole, the fact that he is with Rachel unable to really articulate like actually if I were to just become a a boy Nathlet again, I'm saying it's because of the war, but it's also kind of this... It's not what he wants. It's not what he wants Mm -hmm. thing. And that gets explored a lot more here. So I had a slightly different angle on it, although I think it's compatible, which is that he so desperately wants this acceptance. And Rachel is this person who, I mean, who loves him, he says at the end. And he's getting this thing that he's never had and he wants it so badly. And he can't figure out at the beginning, like he's afraid he can't get it as a bird. Like, the struggle is, can he get this acceptance and this love in the form that feels natural to him? Rachel wants him to become a human. Are they, like, is that going to be an obstacle to, like, him getting this thing he needs? That's interesting. I think that's true. But, like, the way, so, like, the flashbacks jumped out to me because there's, like, the one that he has of approaching like trying to go to school and there's a bully on the way and he's Mm -hmm. like the bully's always going to be there like there is no escape right Mm -hmm. like being a human boy means i'm going to be picked on and like Mm. he he can't escape that and he when he goes to his uncle with like hey can you take me to have my drawing at the art show or whatever he's already thinking like oh it doesn't matter it's no big deal that i can't go he's already like denying himself the ability to like be happy as a Mm -hmm. way of protecting himself and so to me, putting on his hawk persona is, like, basically just a metaphor for his inability to let himself be vulnerable and accepted oh, and matter to other people. So, so when, when Rachel kind of... is, like, go back to being a boy, he, he's just, like, 
no, because as a, as a boy, I am nothing, right? Like, he, mm. because he doesn't have that experience of having a loving family. And, like, and like Rachel's somebody who has it all. Yeah. So it's very hard for her to understand that. But it is really funny that Rachel is offering him this love and acceptance in the context of, and please be human. Right, 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 right. So that's, that's a really interesting tension of, like... Yeah, yeah. He feels like he's not worth anything as a human. Yeah. Well, I think and that is echoed when he's being tortured, and he has this whole long thing about how... That pain is easier to endure when mm, he slips into mm-hmm. the huck because for the huck, yeah, pain is just part of life and doesn't think about it too much. Mm-hmm. Whereas once he starts to th- right. think and about motivation and people hurting each other and the difference between pleasure and pain, once they start, yeah, once Taylor starts using yeah. pleasure, and on the him. the hawk the hawk brain is like pre animorphs Tobias too because he's like, well, if I just don't care about anything because no one cares about me, I can survive. Right. And then when she starts using the pleasure thing on him, you know, he's like, hawks don't understand pleasure. Only this is only for human device. And then he he's completely vulnerable to the pain button again. Mm -hmm. This is such a great metaphor for vulnerability. This thing where, okay, yes, he can become this sort of limited, hard version of himself and endure the pain. But then if he also wants to experience pleasure, he has to actually open up and be more complex and, you know, experience the pain in a more in a less easy way yeah one of my chief frustrations with the whole Tobias and Rachel situation Uh is his inability to see the good that can come from like fully engaging with both of his Mm -hmm. halves Mm -hmm. he spends a lot of time being like Oh, I'm not a boy. I'm a human. I'm not a human. I'm a hawk. And how does that work? And like, there are so many two hour dates that they could go on. <laughs> or like three and a half hour dates where he goes to the bathroom, bathroom. in the middle of it. Yeah. yeah. And like, I think she has made it very clear that while in the ideal world, he's human and they can like do the traditional dating thing. Mm-hmm. She's willing to meet him halfway. Yeah. But yeah. he's so paralyzed by his, I feel anxious in my human body, that he waits till there are 15 minutes left in the dance to even, like, let her tell him if she wants to dance. That's such a good point. I love that. Because the thing is, it's so over the top compared to, like, normal (laughs) Mm -hmm. teenage boy dance angst, but it's also so (laughs) relatable. He's like, my human body was sweaty. I was like, I've been there to buy But then they're like, oh, and across the room, Jake and Cassie were swaying to the music. Which like, I loved, incidentally. Okay. They're just like I wanna try doing their thing. <clears throat> I wanna try and save this moment for you, Lauren, because okay. I don't know I don't know what your like school dance experience in it was not great. or nine <laughs> was like. But do you guys have a sense of what Goo Goo Dolls song they are dancing to? I did not Did know they say it was a Goo Goo Dolls song? Yeah, 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 because yeah. I was uh, cultural in the nineties. It has to be so like Slide had just come out, yeah. which I think is maybe the more well-known one. But I think Iris is yes, the one. That's the one I'm thinking that's of. The, that's Don't the want one. the world to see me. Exactly, yeah. which is so perfect. Yeah. So oh, it's, it's not it's okay. not in the book. But if you imagine Rachel and Tobias dancing to <laughs> "Don't Want the World to See Me," it's <laughs> that's amazing. So good. <laughs> it's so good. It's also it. I think it helps for me to think about like. It's Tobias isn't just being dumb about like the way the situation works because obviously he could and he probably does go on you know two hour dates with her and she go they go on two hour dates where where they go flying and 
Um, I think it is that he has like issues with his human body, like Ted was saying. Yeah. It's not easy it's not an easy thing for him to become. And I do think that she has made it clear that she would prefer him to be human all the time. That that's her her request is for him to just go back to being human. And I think he understands better than anyone else what losses that would entail. Mm-hmm. He might be with Rachel and wouldn't that be nice that they can always hold hands now. But he has a family and a purpose and he has learned so much about himself that going back to just being human really represents, I think, to him something, a real loss. And I don't think Rachel really understands that. I think she, because she has the kind of short term Mm. thought, she's like, just (laughs) be human and then we can dance and like, we'll do that. Um, And so I, 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 my take on that has been that Tobias is one of the reasons he's so awkward about it is because he knows what she wants because she has been very upfront about it and he knows he can't give it to her. And so I think he's a little more like freaking out about it, especially about being in his human body because of that. You guys, there's a lot about Rachel and Tobias in this book that I loved and the ending really redeemed it for me to a large extent. I hated the way she acted at the dance. Like I, I think that's like borderline unforgivable. I don't think it was purposeful. Maybe it wasn't purposeful. This so no, explain explain your take. What do you think Rachel was doing? So there's like 20 minutes left. Rachel's like, no, no, please just dance with me. They're they're dancing. They're dancing. Tobias looks at the clock across the room. He's like, eight minutes. Oh crap, I have to go. And Rachel's like, no, 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 just stay. And he's like, what are you crazy? Eight minutes. Like I have to go. And and so he goes. And she like stops him in the hall. She's like, Tobias, just wait. I want to explain. I'm like, are you, what are you doing? There's like less than eight minutes left. How can you do this to him? Are you trying to trap him into this like against his will? And he wonders that. He's like, did had she seen the clock before I did? Was she just not telling me? Like, was she hoping that like, was she rooting for the clock against me? Did she want me to get accidentally trapped in human morph? And he's like, no, no, she wouldn't do that. But I wasn't actually sure. And I... I don't know that she was doing that on purpose, but what she did do was tell him to stay when they were eight minutes left and then tell him to stop when he was running out to try to save himself and then give what was a very heartfelt speech about her motivations. Great. That's fine. Don't try to trick him into becoming human. Mm-hmm. Like, don't try to use him for this when you know it's not what he wants. I don't know. I, I think you're right, Lauren. I don't think she saw the clock and didn't say anything. Yeah, I think she was being selfish and she was being thoughtless and yeah. she was being a teenager. Yeah. But I don't think she was thinking in her head, oh, I'm going to keep him here and I'm going to trick him into becoming human. Yeah. But I do think it's I do think it's possible that she was like, you know, it wouldn't be the worst thing if he just didn't notice. Hmm. Like, I don't know. I think that's really plausible. The thing yeah. that saves it for me isn't the end, but when... Um, when Tobias the second time tries to leave, Rachel like helps him over she a helps. fence. Yes, right? yeah, like, there, there is this little him. bit where she's yeah. just like, "Well, whatever, just go do your thing." Right. Yeah. So it's I I read I read that moment as a lot more about Tobias's sort of like paranoia and insecurity. Mm, necessi- okay, like okay. he's he's right. imagining the worst, and I know that Rachel can kind of be the worst sometimes, <laughs> but. 
Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't quite as hard on her as you. Good. Okay. But I, see, I, I, mean, I, see, I don't want to be hard on her. No, but I see where yeah. you're coming from. I see yeah. where you're coming from. And in my memory, I was more angry at Rachel. Like when I was, mm-hmm. the, I re, I remember this moment as being like oh, the time when Rachel almost traps Tobias, and I was like, it's so funny because I I don't that didn't stand out for me. I remember yeah. this as like the best like Rachel and Tobias cuteness ever. And then I read that part and was like, what? Like how could how could this be how Rachel treats him in this relationship? Yeah. Although I did really like at the end when she is the one who suggests that there are good thermals and they should go yeah. flying. And then she's like, but wait, let me just get mine. Yes. And then first she kisses him <laughs> and then she's like, great, now let's go fly. Yeah. She's oh like, wait, I'd love, let me just do this first. Let's and just then do this human him. thing. And, and, then, then, and then they do the bird thing. It's great. she has this like self-knowing chuckle yeah. afterwards where she's like, I'm so Rachel. <laughs> Aren't I the best? And everyone thinks. She laughed yes. her wild, wicked, self-mocking Rachel laugh. <laughs> Rachel is the best. Tobias is so lucky. <laughs> I don't know. I think Rachel's pretty lucky. Yeah. They're she is lucky. Too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're great. It's good. You two know who else The two of him and the two of her. Delightful at the dance. What? Is Marco. Oh my gosh. <laughs> dance Marco is the best version of Marco. <laughs> he's so, he's only a little bit skeevy and he's very like self-assured. Yeah, he was like, very supportive of Rachel and Tobias. Yeah, but he's just dancing by himself and doesn't seem to <laughs> care that much. Yeah, let's just, kick it, sure. boys and girls. Yeah. It's really cute when he's like, well, I knew you were both really boring individually, and you're even more boring together. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's so good. I guess Axe must not be there. I guess he didn't come to this dance. After the last disaster. You know, that's a good point. (laughs) Um, What did you guys think? So Tobias, during one of the pleasure button moments, remembers this date with Rachel where they go fly. Mm -hmm. When do you think that happened? Did you guys think about that? I like to think that it's very early in Uh their Animorphs relationship. Yeah. Because, like, there's Rachel is already, like, when he taps on her window. It's happened a couple times before. And she's like, hey, you. But then they go (laughs) offline together. But I feel like this is the kind of thing that they started doing right after Mm. they became Animorphs. And it probably feels most significant, like, the first time they did it or something. Right. And it's like, I think it's after the moment in book three where they have the, like... I love you, I know, Ben. <laughs> um, but not too long after. Yeah. So. Yeah, they don't, of course, actually say I love you in book three. But in this one, when he's like, who am I? What am I? A bird. A boy. Something not quite human. Something more than human. The person Rachel loves. And a little bit earlier, after he runs into her arms, and they just, like, hug for a while, he says, I lost myself, I don't know who I am. And she's like, I know who you are, Tobias. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, it's the best. So do we think that, finally, now that he knows that Rachel loves him, he can put all these issues to bed and be... (laughs) Oh, a contented and angst-free teen hero. Okay. No. Well, I will quote you the end where he says, I discovered something amid the pain and terror and confusion. I discovered that the answer to what I am, to who I am, isn't something to be answered in a single word or single moment. It could take a lifetime to figure out who I am. So no, I don't think so. No, so but he'll remember, <laughs> and the next time it comes up, he'll be like, oh yeah, this is an ongoing project, and you know, yeah, that's true. I have to practice some self-care and like deal with these ups and downs, but I don't have to you know, go over the top. Well, we were talking about how he didn't really have, or he doesn't have as much of an arc because he's always dealing with the same thing. This felt like the conclusion of an arc. Maybe not exactly the conclusion, but like he had really 
arrived somewhere. What? I don't know. I, like- <laughs> I mean, I totally disagree. It's like, let's take everyone most, everyone's most favorite, most damaged bird boy and torture him for a whole book. <laughs> No, 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 but the thing at the end where he's like, it might take a lifetime to figure this out. Uh, he's I like, just, okay. I think every Tobias book ends on the same note. Mm, that uh-huh. might be true. I might just uh-huh. be forgetting how I'm much they all I'm a bird and a boy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this one was less about that question, though. Well, so I do think that Rachel's unconditional acceptance is a beautiful thing and what Tobias needs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think that part of the thing, going back to this, like, he can't be a boy and she doesn't quite get it is like i feel like pretty much all of the animorphs have this like unresolved conflict that keeps them in the fight mm-hmm. right and like for marco it's his mom that's probably the most obvious one mm-hmm. um well for jake and jake Tom, yeah. that's also right 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 one. but tobias here it's like the thing that keeps him going is not as much as he loves kind of like rachel as much as he is like trying to understand who he is as a bird boy it's his newly discovered Andalite heritage yeah. and his connection yeah. to Elfangor and his connection to this thing that's bigger than himself and like being mm-hmm. part of an important legacy mm-hmm. that it, that matters beyond all of the like petty stuff that he's had to deal with in his life. Like mm-hmm. that is the thing that keeps him going. And yeah. so like being out of the fight as a boy, Nafla means that mm. it, it like it would be destructive because he's leaving that behind, mm-hmm. right? I feel like there was a little bit of that at the end of 23, because that's when he gets Yeah, that he gets letter, really like, inspired by that. It really grows as well, a theme in this book. It's really neat. And there's that whole section during his vision where Elfangor says to him, like, basically, I'm making you an honorary Andalite. Mm-hmm. Like, this is yeah, your heritage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I'm giving it to you. And, and right, Rachel can't give him that, right? Yeah. He, yeah. Need, he needs that, you know, love from uh, a normal person. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, should we talk about that thing where he acquires Axe? Yes, someone finally acquired an Andalite! I've been saying for so long! <laughs> and and it was beautiful! It you was were saying so it just recently. I know, and I'm so happy. It finally happened. Back yeah, your predictions have been on point. You called the yeah. anti-morphing ray? Oh, did I? Oh, good. <laughs> I couldn't remember. I was thinking Axe is like, Tobias, you might have to acquire me. And he clearly sees it as this really big deal. And I was like, maybe that's why they haven't all acquired Axe. Like, <laughs> he'd be weird about it. <laughs> he'd be weird about it. <laughs> But I also love that Tobias is like he's secretly so excited and he's oh, trying yeah. to like he's play like, it sure, off. Sure, that would be yeah. cool. <laughs> so he's cute. like, did I want it? <laughs> well, it acts as like I, I believe this may be a special moment <laughs> as I am your <laughs> uncle. <laughs> it's amazing. That whole sequence is is really great. Where so Tobias acquires Axe and he's so excited that it's something he actually has the right to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the Andalite instincts bubble up, and he's like, wow, these guys are really optimistic. Yeah. Can you talk about Andalite instincts? <laughs> what do you guys think about that? I was surprised by that. Yeah. So the idea is that Andalites are inherently optimistic, and so then warriors kind of, like, train it out of themselves <laughs> yeah. so that they can be more effective. Yeah. Down deeper beneath that, I believe we are a peaceful species in love with learning, not combat. But to learn and to fight, you must be joyful. Is that what we've seen of them, do we feel like? Well, I was going to say, like, Alrin? Nah. Well, he's, he's like, been super badly Aldrea, like, burned. But... Nah. Oh, that's true. Ciro? Yes, but in a really, really <laughs> bad way. Right? He has not learned to give equal value to realism. Well, maybe Ciro is more typical. And, I mean, Aldrea was Ciro's daughter. She experienced, like, by the time we saw her, she had experienced all of the fallout of that. <laughs> 
dead. You're too optimistic. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, Axe is like a little embarrassed by the optimism. And not by having cotton candy all over his face. <laughs> <laughs> no, but actually that makes a lot of sense. I mean, that's, I guess his human persona is not exactly optimistic, but it's very silly and lighthearted in this way. We already talked about how he always feels this pressure to uphold the Andalite honor, and then when he's human, he can act out. And maybe it's because he doesn't have to suppress this part of himself yeah. that's just, like, really happy. He also enjoys making kites. <laughs> it's yeah. like for some like, unaccountable reason. <laughs> no, Axe doing crafts with his human hands. <laughs> it's just, oh, you it's think really, he uses his human hands? It's to really delightful. Yeah. There's some really interesting Andalite mystic yeah. qualities, some of which were delightful and some of which were in my yikes moments Uh-oh. section. So, you know. A mixed bag. One of them is the, just thinking about those instincts, the the Andalite instincts. Axe says the early tail fighting masters spent a lifetime trying to cultivate and listen to instinct to forget what culture had taught them, Mm -hmm. which I thought was really interesting. It's kind of this martial arts style of like, listen to your body, listen to Uh the instincts, and use that to fight. I thought this was like a slight retcon of the thing where Hork Bajir have fighting instincts. This is the the explanation. Oh, Tobias is going to be good at tail fighting as an Andalite because of instincts. Like, let's just say it. Let's just say it here so when it comes up later. Alas, he never gets to do (laughs) it. uh, So there's that. And then the other kind of Andalite mystic thing is while he's, as we said, while he's being tortured, he gets all of these memories from Alfengor and he can't figure it out. So he asks Axe about it. And Axe is like really freaked out. And he says, this, it's all nonsense, of course. We're rational. This can't possibly happen. But there's a legend, a spiritual right, really. Utzum, possibly? Utzum. I don't sure. know. Utzum. U-T-Z-U-M, for those of you who haven't read the book. Say Utzum, but <laughs> Great, one of those things. Um, certain medicine men yeah, believe they could pass memories through DNA. That's a really unfortunate word choice. So does don't this do that thing. Elfangor is a medicine man? I mean, wait. Question mark. <laughs> you had to finish. Yes, yeah, sorry. That, he does like... say in the Antelite Chronicles that he's not a mystic. Doesn't? <laughs> yes, he does. Uh, certain medicine men believe they could pass memories through DNA. Legend says these memory messages are triggered by imminent death—a surge of strength during the last moments to ease their passing. Ancient superstition. Uh, so that seems to be what happened: is that somehow in Tobias's last moments of life, he somehow triggered his the DNA memories of Elfengor. Sure. Okay. Here's my explanation for this, though. It's obviously not DNA memories because he doesn't have Elfengor's DNA. Although I guess he has the DNA of a person who has Elfengor's memories. Does your DNA carry memories? Uh, mine doesn't. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm pretty sure he passed these memories to Tobias in the construction site. Like, I think it was part of the, like, package that he gave him, you know, when he was... That's how they know about the Kendrona Rays in the first yes. place. Yes, yes. So there were some, Those there were some like, minutes. factual knowledge stuff that he just transmitted, and then I think he's also transmitted this, like, secret, like, in the event of death, you will get these memories. <laughs> I feel like it goes, it perfectly well, goes along with the whole, like, Hirak Delest he was recording and, like, sending all his memories up into the ship. Mm, and the Horkbadir okay. have this sort of... I don't know if it's, like, a tr- some sort of transference of, like, storytelling memories, like, memories yeah. to storytelling. <laughs> also, the Escort have that okay. whole memory, oh, like, yeah. thing. Yeah. I feel like it fits There's enough weird with animals, the, memory with the books. On the other hand, I also think, if not for the fact that we know that these memories that he imagines Elfangor having 
are direct mirrors of like stuff that happened to Elfangor uh-huh. in the Andalite Chronicles. It also works as this really deep-seated fantasy that, he, that <laughs> Tobias <laughs> could create for himself mm-hmm. as like a thing that would keep him going, right? Because yeah. he already knows that he has this weird, messed up Andalite heritage. Yeah. So it works for me as just like, this is what Tobias's mind can create to give him a reason to hold on. Does Tobias remember his mother? It doesn't seem like it. I think at some point he mentions that he has like a photograph. Because when he has the Elfangor visions, one of them is Elfangor thinking, Lauren, I have longed to have her next to me to hear her say my name, to see her son. And I thought to myself, is that the first time Tobias has heard his mother's name? No, because remember the aunt was like, in one of his terrible memories, the aunt was like, what was Lauren doing dumping this kid with us? Um, So clearly he had some knowledge of her existence. I really liked what Elfangor told Tobias about being part of the line of Andalites. Like, I feel like I, I kind of picked up on that more this time than I had in the past. It's like, this is actually really cool. He's like part of this warrior tradition. And he it is actually, like in some weird ways, it's not his genetics, but it's, in some other weird ways, it sort of is his biological heritage somehow. And yeah, you are one of a legion of great warriors, valiant Andalites who have died for freedom. Your lineage is courage and bravery. And then at the end, when he's like, trying desperately to hold on to life. It's the last fading strain of Elfingor's voice. Out of a respect for life, you have to endure. I just really liked it. Well, that's such an interesting message, too, to give to Tobias. Yeah. Who is the only one who has struggled with suicidal thoughts. Mm, Um, Yes. And also something that I think is a really interesting final message from Elfengor, who has put them in this war where <laughs> they need to, in some ways, disrespect life by taking mm. by taking lives. And so, but he's also one of the the person who made their lives so difficult, right? Exactly. So I just thought it was a it was interesting for that to be his last message. Mm-hmm. Um, because it just seemed not uncharacteristic necessarily, but I found it an an odd final message. I also think it's odd. I mean, what it made me think of just now is like, I guess it's like for Elfangor, if this was an intentional message that he left, he's basically done the thing where he's like, I had to leave you and Lauren behind mm-hmm. for like the greater good, right? right? So he, maybe Elfangor's just saying, I had to endure. Mm-hmm. But, and this is kind of how I justified it. Yeah. yeah. Elfangor does say as part of his memories, you know, it's been five years since I left my life on earth to resume my Andalite form and honor my duty. And he's thinking about his future and was this all in vain and am I going to die? And what Tobias takes from that is uh, one, that Elfengor is both a warrior and an intellectual, which Hmm. I question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But also that he had lived, endured, accomplished a sense of purpose and there's a, there's something about honor as well that, you know, one of the things that Tobias gets from this is a sense of he has this purpose in the war and he has to fight it in part because of what he's gotten from his father, but in part because that's the honorable thing to do. And that the the sense of honor comes up a few times. And yeah. I, I really liked but that. I think the thing is, I think it's, it's like, it's so clear what Tobias needs, but it's like, it's a trap. Like he... Mm. Tobias has the, like, I'm secret royalty backstory, right? <laughs> right. Princes aren't as important to the Andalites, right? But he has this, like, uh, special heritage, this, like, 
hidden privilege that allows him to feel special and important. And all he mm-hmm. wants is to, like to matter in this like cosmic way, right? Mm-hmm. And like Rachel actually just loves him for who he is, right? Aww. She does she doesn't care about that, but Tobias, you know, he should be he should be proud to be an anamorph because he's doing the right thing and he's doing it because he's a, he's he's like a good person. It's his yeah. character. Yeah. But the thing that keeps him going is like these bigger ideals, right? Like, you know, like Jake wants to go back to being a normal kid, mm-hmm. but like Tobias wants to be a secret Andalite prince, right? I, that might be overstating it. We get it sometimes in these moments when he is like in the depths of despair, like when he's about to die here and when he is heartbroken by Arya and the letter from Elfingor in 23, that helps him to get out of it, but doesn't seem to be a primary motivator for him most of the time. I agree. It, yeah, to sell it, it it's pretty deep-seated yeah. subconscious. But yeah. there's one other thing in, in the book that I really loved. Um, when Taylor takes him partially demorphed uh, to dangle him over the yerk pool. Mm-hmm. Um, she like throws him down and then he manages to grab on with his like partly formed Andalite fingers. Whoa, and whoa, his metaphor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> his talons a little bit. Right, but that, yeah, the metaphor hit me over there. I was like, I, I like didn't it. pick up on I that. Like I like that a lot. Yeah. I want to say, just going back to, you were talking about, like, it's a weird message to get from Elfingor. It's, in some ways, it's very fitting. Like, he had this really strong sense of duty and, like, went back to the war and was, like, it wasn't the life he wanted, but he felt like he had to do it. But it's funny, we've talked about maybe one of the reasons that he didn't just morph and save his life in the construction side is maybe he was just done. Um, and I feel like this message either he's being a hypocrite or that just makes that interpretation less likely mm. in that that mm-hmm. like he seems to have this value of like no if you can endure you it's your responsibility to do so yeah which i think we've seen from alvin gore yeah in in the past yeah so that's so that's probably not what happened fair enough but i i like that he has we know that elfangor is just like he's a like all animorphs protagonist is a kid way in over his head. And he eventually (laughs) has this long life of being a warrior. And like, we get this memory, which I love of him basically dying in some space battle we've never heard of. And there's like no explanation for how he got out of it. Or he's like, and then I was definitely going to die. Flash forward to some other thing. Uh, but I like, because Elfinger, he's a flawed person, and maybe he was being a hypocrite in his final moments, mm-hmm. but that doesn't affect Tobias's ability to be inspired by him. Right, it's like, right. Mm. It's very anamorphsy. There's all this sort of martyr imagery mm-hmm. at the beginning, mm-hmm. and I think that connects really interestingly to this idea of being like having some importance oh. that's not immediately noticeable. Mm. Don't just give up your life, you can do something with yeah, it. Yeah, well, and it's just like, Jake compares him to Joan of Arc's sword. <laughs> and then a bunch of other crazy things. And then there's the amazing it's so amazing. When, Please read it. So after Jake basically manipulates things exactly <laughs> into how he wants them to be. Okay, Ooh, strong language. Okay, on go on. That what? That's exactly what happened. <laughs> I dare you to touch Jake. <laughs> Tobias finally has the epiphany that he is the person who must be captured. And it says... I swooped down from the rafter to the floor. Loose straw swirled in small eddies as I touched down. A ray of light from a crack in the barn wall bathed my feathers in yellow light. It was almost too much. (laughs) Too theatrical. I half expected angels to hover up out of the hayloft and break into song. (laughs) And then the next line is like, yes, 
I must do this. I'm the one. I have to go. Yes. So very Joan of Arc. No, yeah, that works really well. (laughs) But I when I read that, I was thinking, I wonder if this is Apple Grant commenting on a really overwritten passage by the ghost. It was almost too much. In in the same way that they'll say, Jake never gets mad. (laughs) It was almost too much. All right, we're good. Go to print. interpretation but i do like the passage i i remembered that like there were a bunch of things in this book where i was like i feel like something is about to happen he's gonna like swoop down and there's gonna be light or marco's about to get impaled by a harkbajir blade in a really visceral way over and over (laughs) and over again yeah uh, there were like five pages where i was like marco's about to get impaled when does it happen when does it happen (laughs) seriously a better morph it's not a good morph for the situation do you know what would have been a better morph for the situation? It was a great morph for the situation. He was, like, swinging between rafters. No, but he needs a hork bajir he, he, He's a hork bajir oh, arboreal so with swords on their hands. Where are you a gorilla? That's a so great dumb. point. I'm sorry. I did take us away from the martyr imagery. Yes, yeah. but. Which I think is a really it's a really interesting point because I think Tobias paints himself as a martyr a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And, and part of that is just... His the way that his teenage angst mm-hmm. comes out is not in not in sort of Jake's like how will I be a good leader but in a like oh I'm a bird. <laughs> but, but, like, but I think this is really you know okay. you know one of those common sources of teenage angst. <laughs> Wait, I've just realized though who was the real martyr in this situation? The doomed eagle. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. They take a, a diseased, dying eagle yes. out of Cassie's barn. Yeah. And they get it fed to Taxons in order to stage their plan and yeah. have Axe arrive as a flea. So, I'm a little upset about that. It I'm was, tibious. first of all, it was a better logistical plan than they usually come up with. Mm-hmm. I was very impressed mm-hmm. by it. Yeah, yeah because but if also, you're willing to kill an innocent bird, you can do a lot more. I How wonder, did Cassie get on board? I wonder if there was some thought exactly. process of like, this bird is slowly dying in great pain. Mm-hmm. At least it'll. Oh get yeah, a big it'd be death. better for it to be torn apart by needle sharp taxon legs. <laughs> they also it can't control what happens to bites. it then. So yeah, I mean they, they could have tortured the bird too. They, we don't know. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I do recall them specifically saying at the beginning that the bald eagle she was nursing was like on death's door. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it has a fatal disease. Very a very convenient fatal disease. <laughs> <laughs> so they use this. Poor eagle sort of twice, once metaphorically, because while they're at the school dance, Tobias and Rachel see this poster about the lifespan. Yeah. The lifespan of birds in the wild. What is the lifespan of a red tailed hawk? 18 years. Yeah. How old is Tobias now? How old is his body? Two. (laughs) <laughs> okay, great. Thank you. <laughs> oh my gosh. Sometimes you just say it I mean, It yeah. seemed like it was like disease and predators often. Yeah, I, was like, I don't think it's in the lifespan. Old age so, I mean, or whatever. Yeah. I don't think it really matters how old his body is physically pre-morph. Right. So, I think part of it was that they were using this as a as an analogy, right? That you know, here's this oh, yeah. dying eagle look. It's going to be like... Of course, that's like, like the best way to put something that's going to be like practically useful later in the uh-huh. book. Yeah. Put it in early. Like it, there's there's a clear metaphorical purpose for it to be there. Yeah, it was... I, I thought that was actually really good. good. When it showed up again, I was like, oh, hey, yeah. that hardly ever happens. <laughs> Usually they mention something in the first chapter and then whoop, nothing happens for forever. But, but I also love... It's a really good logistical plan for the Animorphs, but like 
Visser 3, they're also doing this reverse psychology thing yeah. with Visser 3 because they're like, we'll let Visser 3 capture it. And then he comes in to Taylor's whole situation. He's like, we've got another one. It's really an Andalite bandit. And Taylor's like, okay, well, I'll get this one to demorph before it gets trapped as a bird forever. And then Visser 3's like, no, no, no. Let's just kill it. No, just kill this one because it's really an Andalite bandit. You get? Like, don't worry. It's not just a bird. We're going to kill it. You can still uh, break that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yes, Visser 3 thinks it's probably just a bird, I assume. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> it was surprising to me that there wasn't more to do about the possibility that that was Rachel. Oh, Tobias. Look, I mean, yeah. they'd already made Tobias suffer it's so true. much he was, like, in this alive. book. Yeah. Yeah, I think just, uh, like, resolving that question within a few paragraphs was And I think it was, <laughs> was okay. Yeah. I think Tobias probably knew it wasn't Rachel, he probably wasn't with it enough to, like, yeah. suspect a rescue was imminent. Yeah, well, and I think he also had spent enough of the time already worrying about Rachel mm, because he yeah, thinks that she died it. in Flymorph or worries that she may have died in Flymorph. Or gone trapped. During the first... Yeah. Also, she could have plan. done private thought speak as soon as she walked in the door. Yeah. It was so satisfying because I didn't really remember this when they bring in they bring in the eagle and Tobias is like, oh no, oh no, wait, that's not that's not Rachel. That's like a very old diseased bird. Yeah. I've seen this bird before. And then they feed the bird to the the taxons, and then you see Axe slowly growing in the background out of a flea that jumped off the bird. And I was like, yes, this is such a good plan. And he's like, Tobias. You should stop staring at me. (laughs) (laughs) Tobias is like, what do you want from me? I'm like almost dead. (laughs) One of the things I really liked about this book is it felt more science fiction-y. It it was a Star Wars book in a lot of ways. I mean, there were (gasps) so so many good tropes from Star Wars. There's the, you know, the rescuer, like, rising from the background while the bad guys are distracted. There's a part where two henchmen get stuck in a doorway (laughs) as they're both trying to get through ahead of the big bad. Like that was that's very you know uh, in line with these sort of sci-fi tropes. Um, Taylor is Darth Vader as a popular girl. Yeah, <laughs> Taylor is very much in that. I mean, there's just a ton of tropes in this where I was like, this feels much more like a traditional sci-fi novel than a lot of them do. I feel like we're learning so much about why the Yurk Empire will never advance scientifically. Oh like, there was the thing in 28 where the scientist was falsifying all his data to avoid being killed by Visser 3. And there's a thing in this book where these two scientists built an anti-morphing ray, which works. might actually have worked. It, like, pointed at Tobias, and of course he wasn't morphed, so it didn't do anything. But, like, his body tingled. That might have been a functional anti-morphing oh, yeah. ray. And it doesn't and I, work. I think it was also they just didn't, like... It's like a bug that has to do with nothlets. Like, it's successfully, yeah. <laughs> it's like trying to fetch his body from these space and being like, oh, I need, need more power. I need more power. They mu- Whoa, what if they could make a morph that would de nothlet someone? Exactly. We'll never know because those scientists <gasps> yeah. got fed. So, physics is like, oh, that didn't work. Feeding you to taxes. Like, which is so wasteful. That's not how scientists work. Like, he's they, so wasteful. Yeah. You scientists have to be able to fail if they're going to accomplish anything. This is why the York Empire is doomed. They yes. also haven't slept in many days. One of my favorite analogies in the entire book is they, they like, push the button. And Tobias says, they were like a pair of hopeful kids in a science fair being judged by a psycho killer. Oh, no. Is <laughs> That's that, exactly what they are. Is that before or after Mr. 3 looks around like the Queen of Hearts looking yes! for a head to cut off? Because <laughs> I also love that, that one. Perfect. It was also very good. 
on Mr. Three's incompetence, I also love the fact where the, like, dudes who are watching the cameras are talking. And they're like, yeah, having this party outdoors was pretty much the stupidest thing you could possibly do. But I can't tell him that. Yeah. <laughs> and no, no one can tell him anything. And the Yerks have a surveillance. They, they have a surveillance system going. Oh, my God. And that's so true. the guy who's manning it is, like, so intimidated because he's not allowed to look away from the screen <laughs> that he misses... The obvious and andalite in the room. The andalite in the room and like the teenagers <laughs> causing mayhem. Like they they should see Jake yeah. breaking into the community center. Yeah. Right? Like, why is Jake not on camera? Apparently these cameras are all pointing. They're not at overlapping the at all because there are three different an- um, animorphs in three different places where the cameras can't see them, but like still on the grounds. Yeah. You guys Get, get better at it. Yeah. <laughs> One thing on the science. We've talked before about how the Yerks have incredible technology for reasons I have yet to understand. There must be better leaders than this or three out there. Apparently, also, one of... Didn't they steal them from a bunch of those alien species? Mm, probably, yeah. Maybe. Probably your chronicles, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Anyways, we, Fine. Yes. <laughs> but maybe one of the things they stole from the Arn, maybe, who knows, is is what they can do for Taylor. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Real good. Now the time for us to talk about physical reconstruction abilities. Yeah. So Taylor, who is the sub, uh, the girl infested by the subvisor who's torturing Tobias, Mm -hmm. was a voluntary controller. And the reason Uh, she became a voluntary. Yeah. Probably voluntary. No, it's like like she was voluntary. She says she's voluntary. I think she maybe has regrets. I actually don't think so. Let's get to Good, let's talk about that. Let me tell your story first. So she's incredibly popular. Homecoming queen, tennis champion, student body president, princess. Everyone loved her. Everyone wanted to be her. And then she's home alone one night and there's a house fire. And she ends up terribly burnt. She loses um, an arm and a leg and her face is really messed up by the fire. And essentially a lot of her friends just never see her again. And so the sharing reaches out to her and says... Uh, if you become one of us, we'll repair your body. And she says, great, like, let's do that, please. I had this great life and now it's over. Please, can we do that? And it turns out that they can do that. They bring her in her wheelchair down to the pool. She gets infested. She helps them. She's helps them infest the chief of police for this town, her mother. And then they repair Taylor's body. She's beautiful again. I think she's maybe still missing. She has an artificial arm. Yeah. So yeah. Can, like, her arm, which is badass. But, like, and it can, like, shoot paralyzing yeah. spray and be used as a weapon. Yeah. And, yeah. But they completely restore her face. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Tobias That's over and over true. and over again and I talks think her about how beautiful looks she is. like it is a normal human arm, which is why it's really surprising when, like, one of the animals right. gets, like, hit with it and is like, whoa, what? That's plastic. Yeah. That yeah. does make certain sense. So, anyway, it's like, but I was so surprised by that that they. Yeah, they're competent the in this area. What? <laughs> To repair her so thoroughly, it seems surprising given how bad they are at other technologies (laughs) and things in general. Like, where are they getting these skills? It's not that they have human surgeons who can do this because that is not a thing that human surgeons can do. So they must have this technology somehow that they're keeping to themselves. It's just, it was deep. Zero taught it to them. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Sure. It's sort of a weird inconsistency. Yeah, I wonder... I feel like there are a lot of ways that you could explain it. I feel like the the vibe that I get from 
Taylor is that I mean we've we so rarely get these important secondary characters that just like come out of nowhere but are super interesting. Mm. Um, so the thing that struck me about Taylor is that she seems like the kind of Yerk who rises fast and then falls fast mm. under Visser Three. We've talked a lot about how most of the controllers we meet are basically like, I'm just hoping I'm not going to be there when he loses his temper yeah. and kills me. Taylor is like an ambitious person who can succeed for a short time by being mm. just as like weird and messed up and, you know, larger Ruthless, than life yeah. as Visser three. Right. So it seems like she's kind of like going up through the ranks really quickly. And so I kind of would think that something about this sub Visser means that she gets special treatment. So I don't know if they, mm. if they like sent her off world or they, you know, maybe you can only, you can only get like, five or six humans reconstructed like this, but she was one of the lucky ones. Hmm. And there was something, I don't remember this that clearly, but there was something about how after Taylor was infested, the original plan was oh, for yeah. her to yes. switch into the police chief, yeah. but they, mm-hmm. she decided to stay in Taylor. And so I wonder if it was actually not that they were, oh, well, we'll just do this for this girl because we can. It's just because like... She wanted those memories. She, she wanted, wanted that. Yes, she wanted yeah, that yeah. girl. She wanted to like see the the fake promise through for some reason. Mm-hmm. She um, wanted to be envied. Yeah. Yeah. It was really fascinating motivation that that apparently this is something that Yerks want too. That yeah. maybe this is attached to the thing where they want bodies. But she got this girl who had these memories of being just so beautiful and adored, and the subvisor was like, "I want that." And then there was this weird conflation of year yes. and host. Yeah. And that's sort of, that seems to be what Tobias identifies as insanity. I, oh. I read that. I was like, I have no idea what you even mean by that word. That, like, that so, didn't really make but, any okay, sense. But, Interesting. Read, but it was a well really, read. really fascinating, like, yeah, yeah, just I wanna find. I want to find that part. Check. Yeah. So she's narrating as, like, I was a voluntary controller. Um, you know, they, the sharing told me my life wasn't over. If I, she, would enter their center circle, take advantage of everything they had to give me, they would repair her body. And then a little bit later, maybe it seemed a little weird at first, but all I could think about were the kids at school. I hated them for forgetting me. All she wanted was for things to be the way they had been. I wanted to be envied. Envied. Do you understand? I wanted all of that. All the memories. The sweet, perfect memories. I wanted to live that life. And Tobias then says, she's crazy. Uh, the Yerk, the girl, the line between them all confused, compares her to him. Yeah. Um, but then later, Taylor continues, I took the deal. Taylor laughed dryly. Two controllers helped me in my wheelchair. I waited down in the pool, not knowing what host. Mm-hmm. I'd only ever been hork before. I allowed myself to be infested. She opened herself to me, willingly, until that last moment, until I was lying on my stomach, my head held over the surface of the pool. She hadn't known. Of course, how could she? How could I? Taylor's eyes closed briefly. It's just, it, it's it's amazing. I yeah. love it. It's really good horror. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And there was there's another part where within the space of like three sentences, she uses, "We lost our left arm, her right leg, mm-hmm. and my face." Like, and a lot of that story was in the first person, even though presumably it's the subvisor talking. Is it? Has the subvisor gotten confused about who she is? Is Taylor sometimes yeah, we, speaking? We never get the subvisor's Yerk name, right? Yeah, it's always no, Taylor. it's always Taylor. And I think there's there's some points in that in the same line where she seems to be reminding herself, uh, my parents, her parents, her parents were out at some party. 
Right. And it's just but really interesting. The Sephisa really wants this identity and mm-hmm. has sort of taken on this identity. And, yeah. And so we should talk about kind of like the caricature and the stereotypes or whatever. I, I just wish that the books could explore it with a little more nuance because I think there's so much to the idea of the different ways that a Yerk and a host could interact and like mm-hmm. the way that their personalities mm-hmm. could bleed mm-hmm. over and, and influence each other. Because we... Mm-hmm. We don't get a strong sense of, like, this could be, most of Taylor's personality could be coming from the Yerk, or most of it could be coming from Taylor. And mm-hmm. Taylor was just, had such a strong personality that she basically, like, completely captured whoever this Yerk was. And it's, like, yeah. a really fascinating dynamic. But the Yerk was already important, so presumably they had some sort of strong personality. Right. And know. you see, and or it's just, like, maybe this is entirely Yerk Taylor, but... Something about the mannerisms of the teenage girl, right? Tobias is like, she has a girlish laugh. She's mm-hmm. like stomping her feet when she's angry. Like all of this stuff is like stuff that the Yerk finds useful mm-hmm. or likes yeah, to do. Wants and it's, to be part of it's a really, it's, it's such an interesting character. So then do we think the sadism that she displays is coming from the Yerk or the teenager? Oh, who even knows? Oof. Should we talk about that? Like when Tobias says, let me know when you get strong. And I was like, ooh, sick burn, Tobias. Tobias he's just it the was, best. It was like, such a good comeback. He has just, like, that was, oh, he was almost tortured. the end of his yeah. torture. And he still manages to come up with a great comeback. I was so impressed. Can't be, you know, can't be strong until you've been weak or something like yeah. that. And, you know, can't know strength until you've known weakness. And he's like, let me know. Let me know, know if you ever become strong. strong. Okay, so are we going to talk about all the sadism? Sure. Go for it. There's a lot of it. Tobias thinks she's taking her pain out on others. Sure. (laughs) At one point, he says, she no longer cared what she got out of me. In theory, she's torturing Tobias in order to find out about the other Andalite bandits and to get him to demorph so that she can infest him. And uh, at one point, he says, she no longer cared what she got out of me. This was pain for its own sake, hurt for no purpose but to hurt. She would kill me. No, she wouldn't. She would keep me alive, alive in this inferno. So there's a moment later on when Tobias breaks, effectively, mm-hmm. and is like, I'll tell you. I'll tell you who everyone is. And he lists everyone except for Rachel. Yeah. And and then there's, like, no reaction from her. And he's like, did I even make sound? I don't know. And later when he's, like, calling for help from the others, his thoughts speak voice is, like, super weak from everything mm-hmm. he's been through. And it was really unclear in the text. Like, had he just really not said anything out loud? Or did she not care? Yeah. What do you guys think? It's totally unclear. Yeah. Yeah. We'll probably never know. <laughs> do you do you have a theory? I don't know. I think I think it's more likely that she didn't care. Yeah, that's kind of the read you get from her at that point. But that means Tobias didn't give them up. She never figures out the the Nothlet thing, right? No, no. At the end, she's like, I don't know how you beat the clock, right? right but she's right. not like, oh, you tricked me. You've been enough with this whole time, right? right. So she she doesn't. She's not quite clever enough, I think. No. To, she, she's not going to be like Visser One, who was like, oh, and now I figured mm, like something didn't yeah. add up. It turns out these aren't Andalite bandits. She's, she's not that. He argues for her life to be spared at the end, which means that he doesn't think she heard him, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. He's also kind of like, let Visser Three kill her. So it's yeah. like, it's, it wasn't... It, I didn't take it quite as much as, like, Taylor deserves to live. No, no, no. It's just more like... Rachel shouldn't kill her. If he thought she knew... That's true. Then he would be like, yeah, we have to kill her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's in his credit that he doesn't want revenge. So, a couple things about the sadism. Mm -hmm. One is that there's a little bit of... 
there's this whole like thing that he's he's so viscerally struck by the comparison between Taylor and Rachel. Yes. This side, this like sadistic side of Taylor is something that he likes in Rachel. Ooh. And, and, you know, he, he, he understands that Rachel does it for good reasons. Right. But Taylor yeah. represents who Rachel could become in yeah. kind of a, a really obvious way and like a really <laughs> scary way. Yeah. And there's this yeah. bit, there's this bit that jumped out when they first meet each other. Um, he says, she stared at me like she could see right into my mind, like she knew who I was, what I was, and wanted to hurt me because of it. I swallowed hard. And I think that Tobias is like, this is what, this, it's how he mm. sees himself, right? Mm. He's like going to be the first person to say that he deserves to be punished in this way because mm. he's, he's like worthless, right? And so Rachel is someone who sees him for who he is and Ooh. loves him. But like Taylor is someone who just kind of wants to hurt Tobias the way he wants to hurt himself. Mm-hmm. That might be putting it too strong. Yeah. The other thing is that Taylor, she's like the extreme version of Rachel, but she's also the extreme version of Tobias because he has all the, he has this little bit where he reflects about his guilt on sort of being the hawk, being the predator, right? Mm-hmm. And so he understands causing pain because he has to, yeah. right? Yeah. But he feels the weight of having done that violence. Mm-hmm. And so like, Taylor, again, is, like, just doing violence for violence's sake, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of this further this further mm-hmm. extreme than where Tobias finds himself. Yeah, and Taylor is very similar to Rachel physically. Like, it was, like, Rachel, but a few years older. Mm-hmm. But I think this whole thing Taylor has of wanting to be envied and admired, like, Rachel doesn't have that. No. Like, she, it's really not, it's not something she's trying to fight in herself. Like, she... I don't think she hates being beautiful. Like, she likes shopping. She likes clothes and all this stuff. But, like, that the way other people see her is not very important to her. And so that that was an interesting component of the parallel is because that is not Rachel at all. And I think it's Tobias a little more than it's Rachel. Like, he does care how people uh-huh. see him. Uh-huh. And he, because he's, I mean, he's been really seriously rejected by most people in his life. And he's looking for this acceptance. He doesn't want to be envied, I don't think. But, yeah. Well, the other component is it's not just that Rachel doesn't doesn't care as much about her appearance. She also cares much more about honor. Yeah. So the description that Tobias uh, uses for the two of them is he, he sees Rachel and Taylor face to face. One strong, her morph a crazy manifestation of an inner strength and bravery. One weak, this girl for whom appearance had been everything, honor nothing. And yeah. I felt pity, pity for my torturer. And it was just, an, it was, I loved that comparison because I do think it's one of the things that sets Rachel apart um, that we sort of saw in the good Rachel, bad Rachel in the last yeah. book is her sense of honor and loyalty yeah. is such an important part of who she is. Yeah. But it's funny though that like Tobias makes a joke about, he's like, well, of course, Rachel and Taylor are like night and day. Well, <laughs> like night like and twilight. twilight. Yeah. <laughs> I have thought of that line in this reread so many times. <laughs> That line really stuck with me from like mm-hmm. reading this as a kid. Yeah, and it's all, and he says it to her at the end: "Be Rachel, not her." Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's a choice. It's a choice for Rachel. Mm-hmm. I guess that's the. I mean, that's maybe one way to put it: is it's a choice for Rachel to be Taylor or not? Mm-hmm. But for Taylor's always Taylor, and it's a choice for Tobias too. Even so, Rachel, if Rachel were Taylor, she wouldn't have most of Taylor's primary motivations, which is like 
a weird mm. aspect of yeah. the comparison for me. I guess they don't have to be exactly the same, obviously, but... I think that, like, when uh, the drone wants to recruit Rachel, mm-hmm. he's imagining Taylor. <laughs> that's, like, the that's the line, I think. Yeah. Yeah, good point. But, I know the motivations are different. But yeah. Yeah. The thing is, just, I guess, replace envy with revenge, right? Like, it's like, mm. once all the other Animorphs have been killed off, right? Like, yeah, that's true. What do you do with avenged. all that pain? Yeah, it's just this thing where Rachel, the form, like, Tobias is often talking about Rachel as, like, the others say she doesn't look good when she morphs, but, like, I feel like it's really kind of symbolically cool and, like, represents some important part of her. And, yeah, this thing that Rachel, where Rachel is not, Rachel's physical body as a human doesn't seem to be very important to her. Mm. But then there's also this thing where she's trying to have all these normal experiences and, mm. Incidentally, on that note, we might have more to say about Taylor, but I was really entertained by this thing where she's like, you know, we should be able to go on dates and hold hands and these normal life experiences are passing us by. And I was like, you are like 14. Yeah, calm down, please. <laughs> you, yeah, that is not an age at which you should feel like you are just lo- missing all your opportunities. I mean, I do think that's like pretty representative of what it feels like to be that age. Uh-huh. But oh, oh, it's true. true. Oh, sure. yeah. No, it was a very 14-year-old typical statement. Sure. And then so. there's the part where they're talking or something and like she's right up in his face and he's like, man, if we had been human, dot, 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 I would have made out with her. <laughs> But I was a hawk and she was a fly or something. <laughs> that was a deeply, deeply weird scene, actually. Uh, yeah, so they're, so this is when they're planning to sneak in. And Rachel's like, Tobias, what is it? Do you want out? No, of course not. It's not that. As if Rachel would ever want out. I know. Listen, um, you take care of yourself. I mean, be careful, okay? Whatever happens, if it comes down to it, save yourself and forget the stupid mission. I smiled inwardly. She was concerned about me. If I had been human... Looking into Rachel's eyes, feeling her next to me, I might have, but she was a fly on my hawk body, which was good. I could keep my cool. <laughs> I thought it was interesting that it it wasn't necessarily that if they were human, he would kiss her, but if they were human, he would totally lose his cool. Mm. Okay. And I Actually, was yeah. trying to figure out what, during that paragraph, there's a lot of like, da, 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 looking into Rachel's eyes. Yeah. I might have da, da, da. And I was like, what are you saying? Are you going to make <laughs> out? Are you guys going to, like, what are you going to do? And then it was, I could keep my cool. I was like, okay, actually, that's like a very 13-year-old boy. Yeah, you totally lose your cool if this yeah. beautiful woman was standing there staring into your eyes and telling you to take care of yourself. Yeah, I feel like there are a few things together where he doesn't want to embarrass himself. (laughs) But also he doesn't want to admit that he's afraid of the mission. Mm. Then shortly after that, it's really cute. He's like, I had a lot to lose. (gasps) Yes! Yes. He's like, I will, I said simply. (laughs) Yeah, he's basically saying that she's what he has to lose, and it's great. Yeah, there are multiple times during the book where, and maybe this is Apple Grant, Adding these in, where it's like, oh, it sounded like she was going to cry. I'd never heard that. Or she or I never expected to extra hear that. Yeah. stricken. You know, you might be right. That might be a ghostwriter moment. <laughs> I don't know. I like. I feel like Rachel, like a slightly softer Rachel after book 32 makes sense. Hmm. Yeah. She's more in touch with her emotions. And then there's a part when he's being tortured and the sub says something. And he says, Rachel? No, no. The subvisor. I want you to be with me, to be part of me, my life, not to die a bird, not to die for nothing. 
Rachel? Rachel! Rachel! Yeah, that was really... That was really intense. (laughs) That's... But you have to say the what triggers that. um, Because Taylor says, you'll die so soon. How long does a hawk live? (gasps) So the reason he thinks about it is because of that moment earlier where (laughs) they're both looking at the, like, 18-year thing, right? It's so sad. Yeah. Do we want to talk more about uh, the the beginning, Jake Jake sort of leading Tobias into this situation? Sure. Yeah. Well, so... Tobias I, actually has some really interesting... He's, like, got the beat on Jake. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, a lot he of sees Jake, Jake at the dance, right? Yeah. And then yeah. he's like, Jake has changed. And then there's a great yeah. example later with the manipulation thing of how he's changed. Yeah. There was a there were a lot of military comparisons yes. that Jake made. <laughs> Some very strange. <laughs> yeah, should we read them? If we lost you, we'd be nothing. Like Joan of Arc without her sword, Patton without his pearl-handled pistols. And then Tobias responds, <laughs> Saddam without 48 palaces, the special Republican guard and a jar of anthrax. <laughs> Stop the flattery, man. You're making me blush. Jake also says, I'm into catnaps, you know, like Napoleon did. <laughs> 20 minutes here, 20 minutes there. Incidentally, this was the passage that taught me the word expedient as a child. Mm. There you go. Yep. The thing that I love here is that Jake is at a school dance, and he's completely <laughs> forgotten about every person in his life yes. who is a teen but not an animal. Because these girls come by and they're like, ooh, big Jake, hey. And he's like, oh, hi. Uh, Brittany? <laughs> He's just distracted by Cassie. (laughs) He also was in there, like, slow dancing with Cassie, and it was really great. And now he's out on the steps, because I guess Rachel mentioned that, you know, Tobias is having trouble getting out of Morph, and he's like, oh, my Animorph's life. That's much more comfortable. Let's go to that. With the eyes of a tired old man. Yeah. Yeah. Jake's old soul. It's his great-grandfather shining out of him. In 31, but we've learned Jake has an old soul. (laughs) So, okay, I love, we'll get into the Jake manipulation thing, but I love this whole bit in the beginning because so Tobias has just had all of this Rachel angst and then he flies he flies around and Tobias sees Jake and Jake nods at him right so to me this is Jake has heard that something is going down with Tobias right and he said something like oh good to see you got out okay right Mm -hmm. and then Jake they have this whole interaction and Jake starts talking Tobias up, right? He's like, oh, you're, you're so indispensable. You're great. You're great. <laughs> yeah. And then, and I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. Tobias is great. Like Jake, you tell him. And then Tobias is like, we both laughed. It felt good to hear Jake say I was indispensable, but with Jake, you could never be sure anymore what was sincere and what was just expedient. <laughs> he'd been the most open of guys back in the old days. What you saw with Jake was what you got, but he'd been a leader for a long time now. He learned to say what he needed to say. Jake yeah. needed me as one of the Animorphs. He liked me, respected me, was happy for me when I was happy. And when he had to, he used me without regard for anything but winning. Fortunately for for all of them, really, Jake has a good understanding of the fact that if he wants to win with these people, he also needs to do what's good for them in, yeah. like, at least the medium term. Yeah, but I love it. I just, I just love that it's like... It's such a feel-good... It's it, Honestly, it's a really weird thing to bond over. The, yeah. These weird references, they don't make a lot of sense. But for it to be like slightly undercut by Tobias realizing, yeah, you know, maybe Jake's just uh, keeping me in line. But then the perfect example happens where, yeah. like... So I'm totally on Jake's side in this scene. We can, we can debate this. Yeah, this, so what's the example? Well, no, I just think it's brilliant 
that he starts by volunteering himself. Yeah. Even though he knows right. he's not. So the they're best like, person. they're like, we yeah. need to somehow have someone get captured and then we can prove the anti-morphing ray doesn't work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's the plan. Mm-hmm. And so Jake, because he's a good leader, like steps out and says, I could get captured, you mm-hmm. know? And so that sort of disarms everyone. Yeah. And they're like, oh, Nate, no, Jake, we need you to be leading. That makes no sense. Mm-hmm. So then, predictably, Rachel goes in and she's like, yes, it will be me. And then Axe is like, no, I must do it. And Axe meets everyone's eyes. And I was like, he's meeting everyone's eyes at the same time, isn't he? Because he can look in three directions at once. <laughs> and it's like, I will do it because I can demorph and be an Andalite. And then Jake, like, doesn't jump on it. And Tobias yeah. is like, something else is going on. Jake is waiting for something. And then it clicks for Tobias. And then, but then, and then Marco, like Tobias, figures it out first. But then Tobias sees Marco figure it out, and then, and then Tobias is like, "Wait, what's going on? What's going on?" It's so good. <laughs> yeah, Tobias can tell that Marco's also picked up, and like Jake doesn't really want this plan. Yeah. What plan does Jake want? Mm-hmm. And then Tobias is like, <clears throat> "Oh, of course, it's me." And and it yeah, it's a really good plan. It's a yeah. really good plan. So the thing is, like, it is a really good plan, and like, I think Tobias had to volunteer himself. Like, Jake couldn't have yeah. asked yeah. that of him. Absolutely. And like, he had to go that. into that situation. Yeah. Like, I, Jake clearly, like, feels crappy about himself afterwards. He, like, yeah. kind of, you know, feels... Like, I think there's, like, he feels, like, Disgust sick with himself. With disgust himself. with himself. Yeah. yeah. Jake made a face I see too often. It's mm-hmm. a look of disgust. Disgust with himself. Yeah. I, I guess but. I feel like if Jake only came up with this plan in the moment... Then maybe I'm more on his side. <laughs> why doesn't he just talk to Tobias? Right? Like, mm. just say, like, hey, Tobias, let's come up with this plan together. And you volunteer. Like, the, yeah. going through the motions of, I'll volunteer okay, so but I you know what? in front of people. I think if Tobias hadn't volunteered, Jake wouldn't have asked him. He wouldn't Wait, have say asked that again? to it. If, if Tobias hadn't volunteered for it, Jake wouldn't have asked Tobias to do it, is my read on it. Like, Jake wasn't yeah. going to ask any of them. To be in a situation where they're going to be tortured. Oh, so he was waiting for Tobias, but then he would have insisted to do it himself? Or he would have let Axe do it, because Axe yeah. had volunteered, I guess. That was kind of my huh. read, too. Although I will say that I think he came up with this plan with Eric. Yes, I think they came up with it walking yeah. over. So I didn't. I don't think he came up with it with enough advanced time that he could have gotten Tobias alone. But Yeah, I don't know. That's true. Yeah. It was right after the dance. Yeah. And I think certainly he was hoping Tobias would just come up with it himself. It is a really good plan, but that I have a question about. What is your question about it, Greg? Okay, so what they do then is mm-hmm. they're like, we need to get in there, we need to figure out where the morphing ray is. We're going to send Tobias because then that might prove they'll turn the ray on me, nothing will happen, they won't get an Andalite or a human, so they'll decide it's a the super way good work. plan. That part Such a good plan. But my question is, <laughs> why then, when they break into the underground facility where the ray is, mm-hmm. Is Rachel on Tobias? Well, I think the plan is she'll drop off before they hit her with the she'll ray. She'll figure out where the ray is. Yeah. She'll drop off and uh-huh. she'll go I mean, back. do you want them to just send Tobias in alone uh-huh. and then and not here's why. Tra- chase because him at all? Because if I were this. Yeah. Oh, you would, would just, just aim it at the entrance? Aim it at the entrance. <laughs> Anything that can't But you can't aim stopped. it at every entrance that exists. I guess this is a pretty obvious entrance. Yeah. This is the entrance. Yeah. I'd zap it at the tunnel and anything that comes in flies, bears. Then you'd also just, like, stun it. Yeah. Yeah. There is another problem with the plan, which Mm -hmm. is Tobias at some point is like, oh, it made sense for me to demorph to Andalite Yeah, that was ridiculous. And then he gets paralyzed. Yeah. Why didn't Taylor wait for him to 
demorph uh-huh. to Andalite, Infest then him paralyze him. him with this paralytic gas, and then infest him. Yeah. Right? What a great well, question. Oh, yeah, then they could have tested the anti-morphing right after. Yeah, yeah, yeah good point. It, yeah, there's like... <laughs> but the, the fact well, that Tobias thinks that he has to... That was ludicrous. Yeah. There were several good reasons not to demorph. He's like, there would be no reason... So you don't get infested? So you aren't paralyzed mid-morph for like a minute or two while this happens? Like, They don't want to do it when there's a yerk in his head because they still don't know if it's going to kill him at that point. Mm. Uh, that's true, but paralyzed. they have a lot of it. Like they, they, they kill yurks. Like yurks kill other yurks all the time. Mm. Like I feel like Visser Three wouldn't have a problem with that. Well, no, that's. Uh, I but, think that makes the most sense from an in-world yeah. thing. It doesn't really make a lot of sense, but I like. Well, that. there was also this thing where they were carrying him in like a smaller box to the larger yeah. box, and he was partially morphed to Andalite, and he's like, there was no room to morph or demorph, and I was like, but your hawk body is smaller, smaller. than your current body. Why can you not? Demorph. I thought it was because he was paralyzed. But he he specifically says there was no room oh. to morph or demorph. I think the paralytic wears off. I also still don't understand, and I know that I have said this before and have been wrong every time, but I also just really don't understand why you can't use the expanding force of your body to break shit. I don't know. Some sh- bodies like, aren't that strong. You can <laughs> break organic matter, as we've seen with exploding taxons. True. You I think if break it's metal. something that you could break, like, by hitting it with your fist, you can break it by morphing yeah. out of it. But, like, I mean, I guess you could break a bottle by hitting it with your fist, but not if you were really tiny and hadn't gotten bigger than the bottle yet. Sure. All right. <laughs> because of the square cube law, which, as we know, is in effect in this universe. <laughs> but only sometimes. Do we want to talk more about the things that Tobias sees in his torture oh, missions? I do. I do. Did we know that Tobias is an artist? I don't think we did. I don't know how much he would, like, identify that as a part of his... Like, I guess it was, at some point, a series... I, I kind of just interpret it as, like, kids do a lot of different things. One of his things is art. Sure, but he, like, won a prize for That's it. That's a good point. Maybe he was more serious about it than I was thinking. And then there's the thing where he sees the little girl across the street get out of the car with, like, a finger paint yeah. painting. <laughs> so... So on the nose. She throws it down, and then the mother's like, no, I will pick up your crappy art and put it on the fridge. As though it was the Mona Lisa. (laughs) All right. And the context being that his uncle was just like, what, you won an art competition? Is there any prize money? And he's like, no. He's like, well, what's the point? (laughs) Had we ever Uh, heard... And that's that's what he says about Elfangor's letter in 23. (gasps) No, that Jen, just you're occurred so to me. Right. Oh, it was, it was an act. It was an act. He was doing so that for But he was dream. drawing on this history. Like, that's oh, what he yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Tobias. How did he even grow up to be as functional Poor as he is? This oh, is... no. Um, have oh, we no. ever heard the, like The podcast has stopped because we're all so upset. <laughs> we're all just so saying sad. no. <laughs> Have we ever heard of Professor Powers before? No, I love Professor Powers. Yeah. At some point when I was so younger, random. I wanted to write the story of his interactions with Professor Powers, but I didn't have it together enough to do that. She makes cinnamon buns. <gasps> what more do we have to say? And he, like, <laughs> snuck into her garden to steal yeah. raspberries, but she was like, no, I want you to come upstairs and have raspberry and tarts. There's a, And the teacher that chases Tobias, who, like, yes. 
I'm just imagining this teacher being like, oh, it's that kid I liked who I thought dropped out of school. I'll go say hi and try and convince him to come back to school. And then he finds a pile of his clothes on the ground and no sign of him later. But Tobias thinks, I forget what he says, but he's like, he reminded me of an older me. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, Tobias was, would have been a great high school teacher. He was one of the few friends I'd had when I was in school. Friends. He was a teacher, but he was young and a dreamer. I'd always thought he was like an older me. Yep. I love it. That teacher also gets bullied. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, must, he must have a tough as a teacher. So Middle he, school is a tough crowd. So then there's also the bully that we talked about before. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. the, um, I was the hunted in every story of animal cruelty yeah. Kathy ever told us about. That was the weirdest choice. Like, <sighs> he has lived through so much violence and horror, a lot of which has been done to his person. And yet what he has visions of are these hypothetical stories that he's heard about and, like, doesn't have any real-life experience attached to. Well, and uh, his own prey. Yeah, he relived yes, everything. that is true. Killed. That is true. But he, like, the wolf being chased by hunters up yeah. north and the, like, fly having its wings plucked off by a kid. Like, he never went through those things. It is weird that his mind goes there. But yeah. the reason that the book focuses on it, because he, pre- he, like, he's every, every pain... Yeah, thing, yeah. Ever, right? But, like, it's because he's being tortured. He's not in a war. Yeah, right? okay. It's like... Um, yeah, this is not the same type of violence. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Taylor's the little kid who doesn't know any better than to pluck yeah. a fly's wings off. Mm. Mm. I really loved the way that Tobias thinks about uh, the deaths that he's caused. Yeah, he's my like, note about this was great. This is what you've been asking this for. This is what I wanted, and they did it, and Tobias does it, and I love it. Um, he's thinking about, um, for example, um, uh, clawing the eyes of a hork He says, as I flew, I felt the burden of a thousand wounds, each one fresh and vivid in my mind, weighing me down. How can you carry such a weight? All the pain I had inflicted, seemingly inevitable, perhaps avoidable. Strikes made by me, a hawk, a warrior, a ruthless kid. One deafening shriek comprised of the voices of all those I had faced in combat overpowered me, shook me. hork taxon, rabbit, squirrel, human. My head filled with screams. Yeah, he, he and he wonders if it's karma, right? Yeah. He thinks mm-hmm. he deserves what's happening to him. Whoa. Was this payback? Was that it? And then silence, peace, the agony drains away. So it's just like baffling to me that they decided to write a whole middle grade book about torture. Yes. Who edited this? <laughs> Who got, like, did, just, had Scholastic it, stopped reading the them is, at this point? I can, like, handle it at this point, but I, I feel like I couldn't handle it when I read it at the time. Ooh. It was, like, really dark and messed up, right? And, yeah. like, and, and even, like, now looking at it, it's like, okay, so what makes this okay for middle grade is that it is purely psychological torment, right? They're not like, yeah, they are I mean, there's a little bit where he, his, his fingers body, get yeah. broken, right? So yeah, that's, but that's not like a beyond little, the normal animal That's like a little range, more yeah. normal animal violence. And there is a lot of violence, but like. There is especially grisly violence in this one with like Marco and the horkbacher oh, on top oh. of that cage. And it's like a glass Ugh. box. So Marco's, Marco's like stuck to the top of the box and there's a horkbacher blade through him. The horkbacher is trying to hold on to keep from falling by like sinking his blades into Marco in the gorilla body and the, the droplets of his blood are hitting. And, and then later Marco is holding onto live wires and he's like getting burned and electrocuted and has to let go and drop onto a floor full of broken glass. And it's just really yes. He extreme. electrocutes a hork 
Yeah. Yeah. There's there's a lot of like there's a lot of really good horror stuff in here beyond just like the idea of the torture. The other one that jumps out is when Tobias has the vision of attacking uh, attacking a rabbit or a squirrel. squirrel. He he attacks a squirrel. He's like, and then I killed it. And then he looks down and he has human hands and he he like retcons it to like I strangled the squirrel with my human hands and he's like as a hawk I'm just a predator but I'm also a human who knows better and it's like such this vivid imagery of the like the bloody hands which is the guilt that he's carrying Mm -hmm. about all the stuff that he's done I was also surprised that they earlier um included the detail where the pain gets so strong that he fouls himself yeah yeah. His bowels release, I think yeah. I say. And I was like, bowels failed and he found himself. What? Yeah. He, what yeah. is going on? And also, okay, listen, two books ago, so book 31, we talked about whether or not Axe was torturing Chapman by mm-hmm. yelling at him. And I can be convinced that I don't know enough about either torture or what exactly Axe was doing to make a call, but that was better than this. Oh, this definitely. is the torture that I was thinking of two books ago when I was uh-huh. like, not torture. This is the torture. Yeah. Seriously, who and, okayed this? I mean, it seems to be, like, he says to Rachel later, he's like, I, I lost myself in there. And he does. He gives up the other animals. Like, he gets broken by the torture. And and he's only able to survive it at all because of these sort of memories he got from his father. And then... He's only maybe able to start putting the pieces together because of the support from Rachel. It's like he is not strong enough on his own to survive torture. It's really messed up. I want to look up, or maybe you guys know, what the reaction to this one was. Oh, I don't know. Uh, nobody had any idea what their kids were reading. <laughs> I think that's, I mean, I think that's the reaction 30, to the like, series. Who is going to read a book 33 books into this yeah. like, weird middle grade series like as a random adult? Like, I was thinking one of our guest hosts, and I can't remember who it was, one of them was saying that she read them at much younger than you guys had read them at. She was like eight when she started reading. I think that was how old Ted was, yeah. And I was thinking about that did you read this when you were 10? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When did this come out? Is this like the third, Is this fourth 90, year of the series? 99 maybe by this point? Yeah. So, yes. 99. Yeah, it was It was like the summer of 99. So I had just turned 14. You guys, that is so young to read this book. Yeah. Yeah. And like, this is also like not, there's at least one book coming up that is even less of a middle grade book than this. I probably don't remember that one, so. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember if it goes to this well a lot more, but it's it's wild. So, okay, so the thing is, um, despite it being very difficult material, it is, I think, the fact that even, like, so Visser 3, I guess, kind of does terrible things to the Animorphs when they're in his captivity, Throughout the series, right? Although not really. Mostly but I he think just puts them in a box and leaves them there. They're yeah. more along the lines of what Taylor does right at the end, where she, like, dangles Tobias dramatically above yeah. the yeah. which is a very striking thing, but mm-hmm. it's, like, not as bad as his other stuff. But the fact that Taylor is painted as, like, so crazy that she's a sadist like this and torturing him when, like, torture as a weapon of war is done by, like, people who are doing their jobs mm-hmm. and it's a lot more like the scenario that we saw a couple of books mm-hmm. ago with Axe and Chapman where oh, there are like yeah. conflicting issues here and so mm-hmm. like it's really heavy material 
but Taylor is such a caricature that it doesn't quite, I don't know, it doesn't quite present the issue with the nuance that you would need. And I guess it's not really, like, Taylor's not really part of the war effort. She's just this one-off cartoonish villain. You don't need to be, you don't need to be quote-unquote crazy to torture people. No, definitely not. I mean, I, I was asking in, in 31, like, at what point is Axe no longer playing a role? Yeah. And, yeah. So, yeah. So since, I, since I'm talking about Taylor again, I think I really like Taylor as a villain. But Taylor's also, like, a bundle of really unfortunate stereotypes. Yeah. That she's, like... That we saw in the last book also. In 32? Well, we saw a lot of, like... Rachel the airhead. Yeah. Mm. We saw a lot of other teenage girl stereotypes, I guess, in the last book. I don't think it's quite the same set of things. Yeah. But I guess it's like the villainous disability in multiple ways. Oh, right? that's so a different it's, one. Yep. It's, yeah. the, it's both the, like, she's quote-unquote insane, you know, like the Joker is or something that makes you, like, a bad person. But it's also this, like, oh, she had a, a broken body and it destroyed her and now she has, you know, she's been rebuilt and she's only half human and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And there's, I, I, I want to believe in, like, the interesting story of Taylor the person, but, like... We do get that if, thing in the memories of, like, she had no idea what she was actually agreeing to. It's not... Yes, I'll sell out my species for a new body. It's, oh, you can fix me? Great. Yeah. I have no idea what the price is. I'm just becoming a member of this thing. Yeah. Which maybe softens it a little bit, but you're you're right. Yeah. yeah. But I, I think it just, this is still to me, I think I maybe I said this in the beginning. It's like the, we, the, the theme that the series goes to again and again and like continues to fail at yeah. is like handling ableism in all mm-hmm. of its various forms. That's yep. like, you know, yep. I, don't, I don't know what the fixes necessarily are. Like, we talked about sensitivity readers before, or just like more representation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Having the characters not necessarily act better, but just yeah. not necessarily putting them in situations where... I mean, this feels like it's probably a very accurate portrayal of the author's thinking, or maybe lack of thinking about disability, mm-hmm. about disability and mental health. It just wasn't part of their worldview. Or I guess any nuance. It wasn't a nuanced part of their worldview. So it had never occurred to me to think about what Taylor's parents experienced when mm. she made this decision. Mm-hmm. Well, they didn't Seems... experience it for very long before becoming controllers. Oh, I forgot about that part. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I have a couple of 90s references and a bunch Ooh. of funny things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I had some things about Yerks that we found out. Mm, Should I say yes. this? Yeah, let's talk about those things. That's, okay. That's good. This isn't really a thing we found out about Yerks, but it was a thing that Tobias says about Yerks that I found very interesting in light of 28, the one with the science experiment about free will. He says, the Yerks wrest from us the one thing we hold most dear, free will. And I was like, no, no, humans can't lose that. It's impossible. Yes. There's a thing also about they they control your thoughts. And I was like, they don't control. Oh, wait, sure they don't. They do not control your thoughts. I think we learned that. They're already. like in your head. You're just like, you have into to the listen void. to them. <laughs> right. So they're building this big community center and there's speculation among the Animorists that they're obviously drawing members from other states going more nationwide, which I was like, okay, I can see how the community center means they're getting bigger. A community center isn't going to draw people from other states. But <laughs> I, I take your general point. That maybe this is a direction we're moving in. Sometimes I forget this is only happening in California. <laughs> well, we talked in, uh, in 31 about the difficulty of travel. <laughs> the community center thing is just so weird. It's yeah. just like, 
why are the Yerks doing this? Where do they get the capital? Like, <laughs> They have very serious money. Gray, what kind of money is it not like? <laughs> it's my favorite line from the whole thing. This is the weirdest line you guys, in the series. I love it so much. <laughs> it's so good. Um, Will you read the whole passage? I'm going to. Uh, so it's this, there, he's describing this huge community center. He says, it suddenly struck me just what level of cash flow the sharing controls. Serious cash. Not the kind of money you make selling Furbies on the black market. <laughs> I laughed so hard. What is that reference? Is that a specific reference? It, it feels so random to me. Furbies are like the most quintessentially 90s thing. I know, but like... Was there like a famous incident of someone doing it? Or were like, Furbies banned somewhere and you had to <laughs> smuggle the Furbies in? Or was it like Tobias had been selling Furbies on the black market? Yes, like, that's what it is. <laughs> He's stealing Furbies Did his from uncle sell Furbies on the black oh, market? God. Like, is this a reference oh, to something no. in Furbies his is life? What, Furbies was like code for whatever drugs his uncle dealt. Oh, oh no. no. Oh, I can't accept it, but I hate it. Um, or even better, the ghostwriter thought the ghostwriter is like way out of touch and thought Furbies was like the slang <laughs> for drugs. No, I mean, I bet I think it was a like my kid needs a Furby for Christmas. I'll give you a thousand dollars for it. Like I think that was a thing. Okay, Tobias no, is just funny. He's being funny. This <laughs> yeah. is just funny. I, I was going to say I think actually that the ghostwriter was mixing up Furbies and Beanie Babies. Mm. Oh yeah, that makes way more sense. Right. So there are a few other Yerk things. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of one of my favorite moments. There, I had a lot of favorite moments in this book, but one of them was when Tobias and Axe are walking around the uh, basement of this community center in the construction zone, and they're looking for, I guess, a place to hide. Axe opens the door, and there, directly in front of us, were four Horkbajir seated around a card table, elbow blades hanging casually off the chairs, tails slung back across the floor. Each held a hand of cards tightly in his claws. A single unshaded light bulb dangled from the ceiling. What game are they playing? Are they playing poker? It sounds like poker, but he doesn't is, describe poker chips. So, or like, oh, no, or, or I mean, like this, is, this is the dogs playing poker painting, but Hork Bajir. Oh. That's what I picture. Like, like, who taught the Hork Bajir how to play poker? Maybe they're Hork Bajir who used to have human hosts. Okay. <laughs> Sure. I like to think that they like. I think that I think that the Hork Bajir like card games. This is what I. You know, I could see it. They seem like they'd be really into games. Yeah. 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 I loved that so much. It is. It's really delightful. There are a lot of really good things in that scene leading up to Tobias getting captured. Uh-huh. Um, so one thing this. Actually, one thing I really like about it is with this whole... So we've had Eric as this kind of like... He's like a plot device to say, oh, well, we've been observing the Yerks and here's the plot of the week. Yeah. But there were there's a little bit more detail in this that makes me realize that the Animorphs are doing more missions than just feature in the book. Because oh. Jake is at one point like, oh, this is like this guy Tacit. You know, we've been following him. Right. We know about him. Right? Like... And it's, it's like, the goods they must store. do kind of like normal recon every weekend that we to don't just kind see, of see yeah. what's going on, like figuring out where these New York pool entrances are. Mm-hmm. And then I also like, you get this really casual thing where Jake is like, okay, Tobias has to get into the community center. So, hey, Tobias, is anyone around? No? Okay, I'm going to break this window. Yeah. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah, the Animorphs just like doing some breaking and entering together. Very Human competent. Yeah. Like, don't worry about it. Let's go. <laughs> very competent. Very Unlike competent. Axe. 
in the scene before. <laughs> yeah, would you like to say what happens? So they're all at this awards dinner, and Jake is sitting with his family, and Axe is in human form because someone thought that would be a good idea. And he is getting cotton candy from the cotton candy vendor, and <laughs> the cotton candy vendor cuts him off because <laughs> he's had too many, and the vendor is concerned about him. Axe has a whole cotton candy beard that uh, I think Rachel is hiding in. and uh, As a fly. As a fly, <laughs> yes. It's <laughs> <laughs> so much that it covers a five foot ten blonde girl. <laughs> so Marco is also a fly, and he gets, like, stuck in the fondue. I think he was trying to taste the fondue. He wanted to see if it tasted the same through, oh, like, sucker mouth. Yes. <laughs> and so they're like, okay, Axe, you have to get Marco out of the fondue. And Axe sticks his hand into the chocolate, picks up Marco and a bunch of chocolate, and then looks at his hand like it's liquid gold, and all the chocolate is dripping off. And, and they're like, Axe, Axe, don't eat Marco. <laughs> I think Axe deserves to eat Marco at least one time, given their Marco's eaten Axe a lot of times. It's true. I feel like that is a dangerous sentence to say. But anyway. I also love that this scene is not just like straight told from Tobias's perspective, but it's a lot of like, I looked at Jake and he had this funny look on his face. So I followed his gaze to where Axe is making a total fool of himself. Well, so Tom, Tom's York 2.0, we don't know who replaced Tamrash, but is some, is is doing something and getting an award, right? Mm-hmm. So Tom is here with Jake Way and the whole family. Way to not have to kill your host dad award. Yeah. <laughs> Good yeah, job seriously. breaking your leg. Except the animorphs did that for you. But. Yeah, so Jake is like going up to the stage or something to like because Tom's accepting this award, and Cassie is flying around, and she she's like near Jake, but she's not sure exactly where she is, and it's like she lands on his forehead, and then it's like, where am I? I'm not sure. Visitor three jumped forward. He's in human morph. You know, Tobias talked about how evil he looks. Such filthy insects. Allow me to. He swung at Jake. Jake's hand shot up. He grabbed the Visser's wrist in his fist. For a long few seconds, the two of them glared at each other. Visser Three, leader of the Yerk forces on Earth, and Jake, his unrecognized foe. So cool. And then Cassie flies off and is like, yeah, I think I'm in Jake's shirt pocket. Then she laughed. The Visser just told Jake he hoped he didn't scare him. Jake said, I don't scare easy. <laughs> Yes, oh, so I love it so much. It's, it's just like so really, really satisfying. Classic yeah. tropes. It's so good. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's almost like with the the competence, it's just coming a little bit more arrogance that you could see getting them in trouble, right? Ooh. Like, like this is this is Jake acting on instinct, and and uh-huh. we know that Jake is just like he's simmering with hatred basically at all times. It's so true. And so he's like, oh, you're gonna swat my girl. <laughs> He can't help. Or you're going to hit me also. Yeah. Right. But say, you know, mm-hmm. it's a, just a good thing Mr. 3 is not as smart as Mr. <laughs> 1 or goodness. any other <laughs> Anyone else? <laughs> well, I think Jake is, especially in this situation, but at all times, under this pressure to act normal mm-hmm. yeah. in a very yeah. fraught situation. Yeah. And fortunately, I think Jake would have to go to pretty extreme lengths to seem suspicious in this context. Oh, yeah, yeah. Another Visser 3 thing, he he's walking through the, the torture room. He paused briefly to grind a hoof into one of the offending Harkbajir's toes. So he basically pauses and bites the Harkbajir. Speaking of Andalite feet, <laughs> yes. Tobias drinks water as an Andalite. And we get to the sort of <laughs> first-hand experience it? 
Well, he doesn't really. He's just like, <laughs> suddenly my leg wasn't thirsty anymore. Yeah. <laughs> my crunches the thirst in his legs. <laughs> but so then we also get in one of Elfangor's uh, implanted memories, the he kills the Texans and it's really horrible. And then he retches up that morning's grass. Oh no. Oh, oh no. Andalites don't have mouths. So what's going on here? <laughs> it's coming out of his hooves. Is it is yeah, is it is it coming out of his hooves? Is it coming it out of his be. nose? Okay, it what's wouldn't happening? come out of his nose. nose. It would come out of his hooves. That's horrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, can you do that on command? Because it'd be like can you imagine like an Andalite rearing up on its hind legs and like machine gun <laughs> shooting like cud? I mean that would be like projectile vomiting on exactly. someone, I guess. Yes, if you could do that on command. <laughs> so gross. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this, <laughs> so I was going to reflect on Taylor's like oh. slur that she uses for Tobias. She thinks he's an Andalite. He's like, she's like, let go, you filthy grass eater. It just has oh. a whole different, you know, connotation when you picture them using their projectile of weapons. We did learn that the York pool is beneath the foundations of half the city. Yeah. And there are spaceships on it somehow. Mm. Yeah. Did you guys pick up that one of the Animorphs moves with a cat-like tread? Yes! <laughs> Upon our Frey we steal. <laughs> yes! That's why they didn't hear him. It was Axe, right? Yeah. Or it's like, uh, or as cat-like as one can be with hooves. <laughs> crunching on broken Yeah, exactly. As much as I kind of think like, oh, Taylor, she's like really interesting. She's like rising through the ranks. She's, there's something special here. Visser 3 is like, oh, Taylor, you know, you can handle this. You're like, I trust you. This is your specialty or whatever. And Taylor's like, yeah, you know, this has to work. This has to work. It's my big break. She's got two buttons and she pushes the buttons. I don't understand how this can possibly be her specialty, right? Like all she's doing is like beep, beep, boop. She does have to figure it. She doesn't even push both buttons at once until, like, it's like till the end. She's like, "Oh, I've been keeping this in my back pocket. What if I push them both at once?" There, there are three options: button one, button two, both buttons. You don't need Taylor. You just don't need Taylor. Anyone could do this. I don't understand. So you're saying you don't need a Taylor. You can just do it off the rack. Oh. (laughs) Well, Marco would appreciate that. Somebody has to be on the rack. Oh! <laughs> you made it better. <laughs> so there are other things that we learned about Andalite culture mm-hmm. and also Axe. Mm-hmm. We did. We got a great example of some Axe humor. When Tobias is trying to hit the tree with the side of his blade, and he swings a little too vigorously, and he's like, ah, oh, ouch, Axe. Yes, Tobias, you have impaled the tree with the tip of your blade. That is not the desired result. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we, we learn about the Andalite uh, end-of-day ritual. Mm-hmm. which like is that. from the rising of the sun to the setting to its rising again we place what is hard to endure with what is sweet to remember and find peace mm-hmm. which really connected with the uh, out of respect for life you have to endure mm-hmm. thing. it's my favorite Andalite ritual so far Oh, mm. I really appreciated that one of Tobias's pleasure visions was mm-hmm. running through Cassie's oh, fields yeah. with Axe yeah they're such shorms it's yeah. great yeah it's great we learned about the Shormator, mm-hmm. the tailblade carvings made by early Andalites, mostly in the rocky outcroppings on the shores of the Alupara. Sure. In case anyone was wondering where they were, for your tourist purposes. Love that he remembers all of those words and not, you know. Well, that's probably like, you know, it's in the Rocky Mountains or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> we went on a field trip once. It's great. 
I liked the bit where Jake and Mark were playing catch and forcing levity in the beach scene at the end. Mm. I was like, oh man, these kids can't even enjoy catch anymore. They didn't even get tortured. Like, this is just another yeah. day at work for them. Yeah, and then he was like, and Cassie was down by the water, and I was like, swimming, yeah! Except, no, she's looking for injured animals. Yeah. Okay, but that's what Cassie would have been doing for that's fun true. anyway. That's that's just Cassie. He's checking for stars. She's looking for Aftran. Oh. <laughs> Did we want to do some 90s things? Yeah. The Goo Goo Dolls song is the most 90s thing of all time. <laughs> nope, I love Furbies. it so much. The, the Furbies. <laughs> we also had this this thing where Marco at the dance, yeah. mm-hmm. my friend Marco, unlike me, was in paradise. He was belting out lyrics like his first name was Ice or something. <laughs> There's also a DJ at the dance spelled D-E-E-J-A-Y yeah. for some reason. <laughs> Who spells it like oh, that? At one point when Rachel's getting really into uh, the Violet direct approach, uh, Marco compares her to a Britney Spears video with tanks. I did really like that. <laughs> Because while she's doing this, she's in Flymore. Mm-hmm. So I just imagine her voice being really high. <laughs> Let's charge them! <laughs> okay, I, I'm pretty sure that's not how it works, but I don't want to interfere with your mental images. You go It's you like go the Holograms book. This punk gets really tired. <laughs> a thing that I, I thought was a, was a subtle 90s reference was the, the wood chips in the playground. Like, mm. that's how they figure out that it's in the playground is the guard is complaining about the oh, wood yeah, chips. Wood chips like, aren't a thing, that's right? That's not a thing it's all, anymore. It's all, like, now it's like turf. foam and stuff, yeah. which yeah. is really fun. I like the foam stuff. But like they, they wouldn't have been able to do that as like a giveaway yeah, for a probably safer. 2019 playground. Yeah, wood chips are real uncomfortable. They like got inside your shoes. It was dreadful. Yeah. They do break your fall better than concrete, though. Well, yes. But I, th- I think the foam was probably It's improved better. Yes. Yeah. Anything else about this book? I don't know. I'm just looking at the Rachel, the Rachel, not her, and remembering that I definitely started to cry when I got to that point. Aww. I just, I really like this book. It was really sweet. There were an incredible number of onomatopoeias. There was a thing where they were like, oh yeah, the buttons were like deep, 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 deep. And Rachel's like, oh yeah, we're in it deep, deep, all right. And I was like, that doesn't work as a pun when you're just listening to beeping and not reading the words on the page. (laughs) That is a poor effort, (laughs) Ghostwriter. That's funny. Oh, I thought it was weird that Tobias's thought speak voice is weird is is weak at the end. Like he mm. is physically damaged, but like thought speak is just thoughts. And I mm. thought that was a nice like manifestation of like, yeah, he's actually like mentally Oh yeah. Like mm-hmm. worn out. Yeah, traumatized. It did make me wonder the like the improbability of the point of death thing. I wonder if there's something with the fact that he still has a brain like stuck in Z space that meant he could hold on just a little bit longer, Whoa. like as a as a nothling, right? Like, Whoa. like his hawk brain would basically would have completely given up, but he's I able f- to come back a little. I feel like the way the the torture was working though, it was affecting his mind, right? Right. Even though his mind was, you know, his brain. Yeah, I don't, was I don't really know how that, wow. how that works. So great. Do you think the anti-morphing ray will come back? No, because this or three doesn't think it works. So not even in book 37? Unless it comes back. (laughs) The book where everything happens. The trash can. Is it time to predict? I think it's time to predict. Uh, Do you want to help me predict the next book? All right. Okay. So the next book is The the Prophecy, number 34. Oh, my. What's she morphing, Gray? I think that's probably meant to be a hork uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. But is, is it not a convincing like hork Okay. I, I, the one on the cover of the hork Chronicles is now how I think of them, and this oh, one interesting. doesn't okay. look like that. Okay, the prophecy. What you don't know can't hurt you except for the Yerks. 
This is very direct. Does there it? are only three dots in the ellipsis. Oh, good, nice. <gasps> good point. What does it mean? <laughs> Something very important. Part of the prophecy. Does it mean if you don't know the Yerks, they can still hurt you, or what you don't know can't hurt you, but that's not true for the Yerks? Oh, hmm. interesting question. Um, this looks pretty Horkbajir like to me. It looks like the one on the Chronicles. It's not like green enough. Hmm. Okay. All right. That it might be like the photo of the it could be. cover. So Cassie's going to get a Horkbajir morph. Does she already have one? Does she have either. You know, Rachel and Tobias Janet? do. I think it's yeah. just them. Just them. Okay. I don't think anyone else does. I don't know does. if we've seen anyone else with one. Was there. I should remember this. Um, was there a prophecy about Toby? Uh, or is it just that their seers are... Oh, wait. There are things they say about seers. There's going to be a big change, and that's why they're there. So maybe maybe Toby makes a prophecy. Ooh. Mm. Okay. Or, you know, foresees something or whatever. And the Animorphs have to help that come true. Okay. Any other thoughts? There's going to be some kind of moral ambiguity. Because <laughs> that's Cassie's specialty. Uh-huh. It's true, and this is a this is a four and not a nine. So while there will be moral ambiguity, it will also be very silly and not serious. Oh, I didn't know that pattern existed. So I mean, that's something we've observed. Interesting. So there is like something we've seen a lot in the past few books. Really, in a lot of the books, is that the main animorph has a connection, like a particular like connection with one of the other characters that they like talk to a lot, work through issues with. Mm. Do you think that's going to happen in the next book, and who will it be with? I, I say this, I don't actually remember if it's true or not about this book. Oh. Um, sure, and it's uh, Cassie and Marco. Oh, interesting. Okay. Related question, what dead character will feature prominently in this book? Dead character? <laughs> Alphengor? Aldrea? Those are two characters. Have we, we haven't <laughs> lost a significant Korkajir. How are the Yerks involved? What's the prophecy? The prophecy has to do with how the free Horpagir are going to finally trounce the Yerks. Nice. Possibly vice versa. Do you want to look at the inside picture? Uh, Sure, let's look at the inside cover. Oh, Oh. no. Oh, no. There's like a little team of Horpagir shooting, probably Dracon Beans, at Cassie Horkbajir and a two-headed Horkbajir. No, just kidding. It's two different Horkbajir. <laughs> poorly drawn. Who are running away from the other Horkbajir. And they all have three horns on their heads. So it is a single gender oh. Horkbajir gathering. Well That's observed. Detail. I'm worried that the free Horkbajir are going to get attacked. It seems likely. Also, look at that musculature. Yeah, it's <laughs> just like a bodybuilder with a Horkbajir head. I don't like it. <laughs> It's very, very creepy. Will the prophecy happen in this book? Oh, yeah, wow. Or will it be subverted? Or will it never come up? <laughs> it will never come up. <laughs> Wait, yes. so what was the illusion? Was Tobias the illusion? Tobias might have been the Tobias. illusion. <laughs> the illusion was the trick they pull on the anti-morphing ray. Yeah, Just I buy like that. Conspiracies. Or maybe it's what he sees uh, through the, the tail blade thingy in his vision. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of the book's kind of making a statement then about whether it's true or not. Yeah. Yeah, the prophecy never comes up. <laughs> they just don't mention it. That's a very solid prediction. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe the prophecy is like, once in every generation, a seer will be born. But it already happened. 
one girl. Right, to fight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they in do Southern basically California. have a Hellmouth in Southern California. Under the school. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a while since we made a Buffy comparison. It's not I'm glad bad. we're back. All right. So, yeah. Looking forward to the prophecy never coming out. Should be a good one. Thank you, Lauren. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. If you want to find us, we are at Animorphology.com and at Animorphology on Twitter. Subscribe on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. And don't forget to rate us, review us, and recommend us to your friends. And if you want to read along, you can find a link to the Animorphs ebooks on our website. <laughs> no sound at all! <laughs> Never speak a word!